Then here we go. Platch at Overwatch, episode 142. I've amassed the greatest minds in Overwatch and Avast. And we're here <laughs> to talk about the Summer Showdown stage tournament. Um, I'm producing and I'm hosting at the same time, so it's a bit all over the place. But uh, don't worry about the time. Why am I saying the time something again? Don't worry about it. It's going to be great. Uh, so yeah, we got the Summer Showdown uh, stage playoffs. Stop laughing, Kesta. Uh, ahead of us. Um, so let's kick things off and talk about the teams that didn't actually make it to the stage because there were quite a few interesting teams that didn't make it at all um, and then we'll dive into the actual playoffs itself and the teams that qualified and everything like that so if no one else has any Arnold Schwarzenegger stories to bring up let's jump into the LA Gladiators well actually did you guys see the person who tweeted at all of us about the uh, the meme of the the mud on the Arnold Schwarzenegger that he doesn't do up his butt and then you can see his butt Yes, I did what see that. Get, what are you talking? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't oh, get the tag. I missed, you, guys I don't get, you guys in there? Oh, yeah, let me, let me get you That one went to my quick. spam folder. Yeah, tag me. I got tag me real quick, Scott. Give me a predator conversation. Someone completely irrelevant made a meme about it, and then someone from the Overwatch League community tagged all of us relevant to it. Oh, I'll get it for you. Don't worry, guys. But not me, though? No, I think you were I'm the one fighting for it? Yeah, one second. Let me see if I can find it. I think you were tagged in it. Oh, here we go. Okay. Where where are you posting this? Uh, I'm just gonna. Are you put giving it, it to me? Yeah, yeah. I'll give it to you, Johnny, and you can spread the love. All right. Giving it to you on Discord. Uh, sorry to derail things. No, derail this this is but perfect. The people need to know. People yeah. need to know. This is this is why we're plat chat. All right. There's only there's yeah. only one plat chat. There you go. All right. I'm gonna bring this now, up. Who does the meme work in favor of here? Um, I don't think anyone. No, that actually demonstrates cheeks. That really demonstrates that he didn't cover his ass, so the predator could find him. Thus, the mud insulates. Okay, but here's why I don't think it's realistic. I think that Arnold would have thought of this. Like, why would it, is it like a like a like a like a sensitive issue for him? Like, why would he not muddy up the the butt cheeks? That, probably, is, yeah, that is a question. Art. It's an oversight I, that I don't believe in. Did Arnold, oh, yeah. most bodybuilders have poor flex. A lot of bodybuilders have really, like, because of how big they are, they can't necessarily reach all the places on their body. You're saying his, you think his, Arnold was too big to reach his ass? It's too big to reach around and put mud on his ass. He's pretty big, honestly. He was that huge could be back a in the day. Problem, Peak yeah. Arnold? Peak Arnold was a very big man. How does he wipe his ass if he can't he put mud on day. it? 100%. And maybe that's why his butt was so clean, because he used but the also, bidet after himself. On the if 80s. sitting on the toilet, that's a different angle. If you go from the tell you how to get undercarriage, so why couldn't he sit down and put mud on it? Okay, go ahead. That's what right. I'm saying. You can just, you just, you just back into the mud, ass first into the mud. That's what you do. <laughs> oh, that's true. You that's could. You, that's how you like put it on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That works. But yeah, I mean, he truly wasn't thinking at the time about that. He was fighting for his life. The, the reason, the reason I'm right is it would be impossible to mud yourself up 100 percent to not be giving off any thermal, as proven by the webcomic. No, that wasn't what so you were checkmate. arguing. Yeah, that's exactly You were arguing that the mud would not stop thermals, um, not that he couldn't adequately cover themselves up. Well, I'm also arguing for that because that's just pure logic, and you just don't seem to accept no, that. So you I'm just, just trying to go into, like, sub-points. Yeah, I'm just throwing as many points as I can no, at this also, point. Also, you know, I don't think you have to completely cover your body, because it's about, like, uh, it's like pattern recognition, right? Like, if there's well, a few yeah, patches that stick out... As, the, as an apex hunter, so it sees any sort of thermal that seems out of place, and he's like, wait a minute, like, what's this? Oh, I'll go to you. So... 
Yeah, but if there's... Uh, uh, let's say, let's say for hypothetically, just the butt cheeks are not covered by mud. Like, the predator making the assumption, the leap from, hey, those are butt cheeks, which means it's a human there. I'm just saying, like, it, <laughs> because there are few parts that are uncovered of dirt, like, they wouldn't necessarily know there was you a human. The predator memorizes all of his praise and animal. Yeah, yeah, it's the predator. He knows he the knows anatomy of human beings. No one he knows knows. Arnold's cheeked up. Yeah. I, I only have one. I only have one real question about this entire topic. I don't. Who's here is seeing the new Predator movie called Prey? I have not I, yet. Uh, I have not. No one. No, so I, I just want to know in that new Prey movie, does anybody muddy themselves up? These are the important questions. Honestly, has the science disproven this? And thus, since they've not, not done it again. Because yeah. if not, then look, uh, that's that's the answer you have. Also, what is it with them just taking it backwards? Like, what, what's what's next? Are we going to we're gonna caveman times. It's caveman versus predators now. We're just you, you know. You can't really go. I, mean, back I guess clock. you could go into the future theoretically, yeah. but like at the same just, time, there's only so many settings, right? Like there's only so many settings you can put. You know, do a civil war setting. We're just gonna do all the historical settings. It's gonna yeah. be Mel Gibson and the Patriot, but is there's a predator there. It's just like how many? How many? <laughs> I think it'd be kind of badass, honestly. <laughs> I'd watch it, honestly. Yeah. yeah <laughs> if it was predator, like some sort of war scenario, a historical war, and he's just rolling. He's got a sword now, just because. Fuck it, why not? Uh, no, no. Medieval times was predator. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> Guys, we're cooking. We're cooking. This we is amazing. Cooking. All right. All right. Talking about. Uh... Well, no. No, there's no transition to the LA Gladys from here. I was about to say there are predators, but no, they didn't qualify for the stage. Talking so. about butt cheeks. Uh, talking about butt cheeks. They didn't end up making it. Um, although, they did beat the Atlanta Reign 3-0. So, I mean, yeah. you gotta give credit where credit is due. They looked really good against the Atlanta uh, Reign. And they beat the Paris Eternal. Yeah. And they beat the Paris oh, Eternal. Yes. Yeah. Very, very important. Uh, yeah, I believe we talked about that last week. Um, are we disappointed by the fact that Ellie Gladiators didn't make it, or did they kind of like made their own bed? Like this is this is your fault. We're not gonna have any sympathy, or like, are you gonna be like a little bit sad that we won't have Ellie Gladiators at the the stage playoffs? Can, uh, I, can I be both? Yeah. Is it possible to be both? Well, I don't know. Talking? It's up to you. You, you are your like, own mind, Avril. It's like because like yeah, I'm a little disappointed because I felt like they were on an upswing, like they were getting better, right? They were they were finding their groove. Space came back in. It looked like they were like were starting to you know beat teams. I'm not just talking about the Paris Eternal here, but like they're a dangerous team. Like I think it would be very dangerous to uh, if if they did end up making the tournament, they would have been a team that you have to really look out for. They would have been a low seeded team as well. They, everyone would have dodged them. I feel like no one would have actually picked them, um, and they could really you know come back with a big vengeance there. So in some ways, like the other teams, probably glad that uh, the Gladiators have missed out because you know I still think they had a lot in them. I still think they were kind of good even though they missed up. Yeah, I, I think if we had the Gladiators at this tournament, I, I would I would have more expectations for the Gladiators if they made it through compared to the London Spitfire who did make it through. Like, London is a good team and they are, like, solid, but can you realistically see London Spitfire going all the way to the end and pushing San Francisco Shock, Dallas, Fuel, all that kind of stuff? Gladiators have that potential in them, and I agree with Avril. Like, they were playing well against the Atlanta Reign. They were a completely different team. And you also need to remember, like, the four teams that they lost to were really good teams. They really just did a hard schedule. Like, I'm not going to defend them for that of like, you're the Gladiators. You need to win at least one of those matches. But at the end of the day, they didn't. So they don't deserve to be at this land at two and four. Yeah. It's disappointing because it would be, it's kind of like entertainment thieves in a while, in a way, because like they can't even defend their title at land. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, they, they made their bed. They got to sit in it and they need to learn from it. Sit in the bed. 
Yeah. yeah. Sit in it. They got to yeah. sit in it. <laughs> bed, sit in what it. are you guys doing in your bed? <laughs> you lay down on it. Lay down, yes. Lay down in the bed. I just, I use it like a chair. I invite everyone in. I don't have a couch. I just have a bed in the middle of my living room. Everyone sits down on the bed. Yeah, I mean, that's all there is to it, right? They had to win one, literally all they did win one match. And they would have been, you know? Honestly, in a way, though, I'm happy, though. Because even though I'm glad we're clearly going to, I think they were going to have a good performance if they made it to the LAN event, considering their current trajectory. I'm glad we get to see some other teams yeah, yeah. at the event. You know, teams that, like, we normally... It doesn't mean that, like... Obviously, I'm not the opinion that, like, the best team shouldn't be there, because probably Gladiators was better than Mayhem or London, <laughs> uh, you know, going into this event. But at the same time, it's nice that they get to go. Um, so I think it's still a win, in a way. It's a win in, in terms of diversity of seeing teams, but it's definitely a loss in terms of seeing the best teams at the event because I think Gladiators are probably better than those bottom two teams that made it in. So Yeah, I feel like it goes both ways, right? You have, on the one hand, all the LA Gladiators fans. They're kind of lost now. They're like, I don't know who to root for. I don't, I don't know, like, I, I can't support my team. Yeah, it won't, won't be shocked. It won't be shocked. But at the same time, you have the fan bases of all the other teams going like, this is our chance to win. And they're way more emotionally invested into the tournament. So... Uh, it's a bit hit and miss. So how, how strong do we think the LA Gladiators were in the end then? Do we think that if they actually qualified for the stage playoffs that they would be like a, a top four team or perhaps one of like the lesser lower bracket teams? I think they'd be... I, I have some crazy coping. They did beat Atlanta in 3-0. I have some crazy coping. I think they would have potentially hit top four because I think, they again, they were on the upswing. They were on the rise. If you look at their stocks, they were like going up, right? Uh, and I also think when you look at the schedule, you guys can throw in an opinion here if you think I'm wrong, but like, in my opinion, Glad's probably had the most difficult strength of schedule for this tournament qualifier, right? I mean, you look across the teams, like, I don't know, I don't know if I can name a team that had a more difficult strength of schedule, like, uh, and, and to be fair, Glad's, Glad's should have been, you know, based on their wins in two, two stages in a row now, they should have been one of the favorites coming on through and, you know, strength of schedule for them shouldn't matter as much because if you're the best team, then you, who cares, right? You, you are the team to beat. Everyone should be afraid of you. Um, but I don't know, like there's a couple ways you can, you can look at it. It's like they, they played the two best teams in Dallas and shock. Um, and out of Houston and Toronto, they just needed to not lose to one of those. And Houston had a really weird qualification pathway anyway, cause they lost to New York and Toronto themselves are looking good for this tournament. So like, I, I don't hate that they lost those teams. They just needed to beat one of those two teams. Yeah. I, I would put gladiators on the same level of what I had the Houston outlaws heading into this land of like. They, I don't think they have the same level of like team coordination and understanding of this meta as your San Francisco Sharks and Dallas's, but they have so many good players and they're like, they've shown really good matches that they could really pull out anything at the land. And, you know, Gladiators, they, they showed that against Atlanta Rain. Atlanta Rain were also not a struggling team by that point. Um, but as I've said, they had hard matches and they went to five with like, they went to five with Dallas. They went to five with Houston. They had that one real, like the only bad loss that I think they had was against Toronto Defiant. And even then that was just like a couple of like pretty bad fumbles. Like they full held, like we forget they full held Toronto Defiant on that Dorado. And then they just got counterfucked by all their ultimates uh, and then got full held. So it's like gladiators were very close to winning a bunch of those matches. So they're not that far off. And I think if any other team had had the schedule that the Gladiators have had, they probably would have gone like one and five, unless you're like one of the big two. Yeah, it kind of sucks as well, because Toronto Defiant were playing some of the best Overwatch they played. And then Toronto Defiant also like, they, they, they lose to the Lono Spitfire this past week, which just shows like how 
sort of like variable their performances are, I suppose. So Elite Gladiators hit them at the very like wrong time when Toronto Defiant were at their peak. So one more follow-up question before we sort of put a bow on the LA Gladiators and you know their participation in the summer showdown. Um, what do we think about the MVP chances and award chances of some of their players now? Because they're going to miss out on essentially a full stage playoffs, whereas you have like proper on the San Francisco shock going ham. Hanbin on the Dallas Fuel has looked immaculate this stage. And then, of course, on the APAC side of things, you have Profit playing Brig, and it's like top two team in APAC. And uh, Shanghai Dragons, of course, looking like a juggernaut. So, you know, when we think about Kevster. Even Reiner for like Rookie of the Year and Shu, who hasn't barely played this stage, is this is this kind of like it for their chances to win some of these awards? Because there's no there's no count on Cup stage, so yeah. it's a tough scenario for these players, right? Well, can I add in for the Reiner? I'll just talk about the Reiner situation because there's a lot of similarities I see between him and Fearless from last year. All right, like you have this really strong start, super good tank, kind True. of dominating the tank conversation next to someone like Harmon. I got to admit, Harmon was also in that early on but then like as the year went on and the meta changes fearless couldn't keep up last year and i feel like the same thing is happening to reiner now so like he's he's going down the fearless pathway for me which which means it's like you start good you're at the top but then other players and other teams and you know the, who, who remain consistent in the meta in this case we're talking about proper like he, proper's been good on all three bidders so far granted his hero has been relevant the entire time and well his his hero paul has been relevant the entire time but like yeah, man, it's pretty shocking that, like, and this is the comparison I'm going to make, is here's a play that isn't even in the Rookie of the Year conversation, as far as I'm aware, but Kaluge, he's been good three stages in a row now. He hasn't been affected by any sort of meta changes, and yet Reiner just couldn't play Junker Queen? Like, Reiner's meant to be leading the Rookie of the Year conversation with tanks, but why Why do I feel like Kaluge has had the better year, you know? I mean, uh, didn't Kaluge get benched by Mikey? All right, I'm just gonna, just I'm gonna pretend that bit. didn't happen. I'll, I'll, I'll pretend that part didn't happen. Connor, yeah, I, mean, you know. <laughs> so, I think there's still an equivalent argument to be made. It's also, to me, at least when I look at the fearless thing, I agree with you on most points, except for the fact that like the breadth of Reiner's pool was definitely hero pool was definitely still larger than fearless's this year. Like, it's not that fearless didn't have a good pool of heroes that he can play, and also he's not like obviously an elite, like probably the best Winston in the league when he plays Winston at times, but. Reiner's hero pool, aside from Junker Queen, is still larger than Fearless's, right? Yes. When, when he's been playing. So, like, I do think it's a slightly unfair conversation. Like, when well, you Fe Fearless two, also no. didn't have to play Hanbin's heroes True. back then. True. So, that's yeah, like a different comparison fair. as well. Like, he, yeah. So, he I think it's, it's tough yeah. to compare, but I do, I think the overall point is right in that, like, he's finds a meta where he's not going to be very good at, but it's not like there are other tanks. There are very few tanks that haven't been affected. In fact, you could argue the only tank that still has not technically had to be subbed out because it can't is Smurf. <laughs> so you know, like I, I think you're not like, ready for the profit. You're not ready for a profit tank. Okay, is that yeah next. the prof tank? So <laughs> we'll see. But I, I do think Kalusha's had like he's had a great year. Don't get me wrong, but he's still been benched by Mikey at points. So it's not like he hasn't also had metas where he's been not as strong. So. His for me with this like awards like conversation, my problem is like yeah, it'd be great to have these conversations, and we should prop up these like great rookies like Kaluge, like Reiner. They are the future of the league. Like they will be around for a very long time. They are the new generation coming in. But like if we're being realistic, 
I'm just a proper simp straight up. Like, I don't think any individual player has had the same level of impact on any team. The reason we don't talk about Kaluge for the San Francisco Shock is because Proper has yeah. just been yep. more impactful than him. Even when Kaluge is playing well, Proper is generally having a better game. If we could, if we gave him MVP for almost every match they've played, it would be it would be realistic in a lot of scenarios. He's been mm -hmm. too consistent, too good, too many times. There's why there's a reason all the coaches and the players joke around about how it's like, hey, proper go kill five, because that's how much respect everyone in the league has for him. And, you know, it sucks that, like, it feels like he is just dominating the conversation and taking away from it, but that doesn't mean we should stop, like, propping other people up. But for me, I think the award is just... Unless proper just, like, doesn't show up at all for Toronto and just, like, absolutely just disappears in the server, um, I, don't, I think it's hard to give it, take it away from him. Even if that happens, I think proper gets it, which is crazy because, like... It, him not showing up for one tournament doesn't delete like the rest of his season in a way. No, so, I'm saying know, like, like, I'm not saying he doesn't play. I'm saying like he actually plays and is just absolutely god awful. Cause I think like that is the major thing that I hold against the gladiators and the, uh, and the soul dynasty players of like, okay. they are really good players. They've just, you know, the gladiators didn't show up this stage. Like they didn't play to the level that they needed to play with primarily Reiner as well in his you know conversation. And then soul dynasty, like it's hard to give, MVP or rookie of the year to a Seoul dynasty player when the one international event that we had that we are going to determine, you know, who should get these awards, they literally went out first round in a situation where they should have been at the end. So that's that's why I hold it against them a little bit. And that's why I think proper is my front runner, even though they haven't even won a tournament. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot to unpack there because there's a lot of like different opinions. I mean, Going back to the original topic, it sounds like to a lot of people here, it's just like, this is the nail in the coffin for the LA Gladiators players, because it's going to be very hard to justify any of them winning any award after missing out on the entire stage playoffs. I do want to say, though, that if Soul Dynasty ends up winning the Summer Showdown, and, you know, Profit is amazing on the brig, I do feel like there's, at least in the conversation there, with Proper, because I think... At the same time, like, I, I get what you're saying with this international tournament, but I'd say that the three stages so far has had, like, pretty varying meta so far. In stage one, in the kickoff clash, we saw a lot of Saria, primarily from, you know, Dallas Fuel, etc., and that was enabled teams to be good. Stage three now, it's a Junker Queen meta that's completely different from the midseason Madness meta as well. So if you're still Dynasty, yeah, it's super disappointing that they bombed down to that international LAN, but that was one meta, whereas we've had, like, three different ones this year. I, I, mm. I completely agree that, like, a regional tournament, of course, does not have the same value as an international one. But I do think that at least Profit is the, the, probably the one candidate right now that is at least competing with Proper. And I'm not willing to take out, you know, in advance that San Francisco Shock are going to be, like, a top two, top three team at this tournament. Because we saw what happened in the kickoff clash as well. Like, they had a pretty shaky series against the Washington Justice, and then, you know, they went out, I think, like, top four. I think something like that. So I'm not going to take out in advance that the Shock are going to be amazing this tournament. And if they are it amazing, if they go at like fourth, maybe like worst case scenario, fifth again. And meanwhile, the Soul Dynasty win it again. I think Profit is very much in that conversation still. So there's a lot of varying kind of like circumstances well, here. Before you pu push us on, Johnny, if you're going to go under that, guys, then should we be talking more about Hanbin? Because Hanbin really has been insane when he has played in the kickoff clash and this tournament, like he has been head and shoulders, the best in his role, like for that Zaya composition, like drag Dallas fuel kicking and screaming. And I think he's 
pretty undoubtedly right now one of the best jungle queens in the league. So it's like, should Han, if we're willing to give people a pass for a certain meta, for a situation of being benched, I think Hanbin needs to be talked about more as well. I think yeah. he should be in there. Like, if you get second at kickoff clash and then you win the summer showdown, like, if they, they're they the best team with this thing. I mean, in, in the midseason madness, even, like, they tried to implement fearless and stuff, and it obviously wasn't working with, like, the Lucio Mora compositions. That's not necessarily Hanbin's fault. So. It, you know, it's a very complicated conversation, but I think it's one worth having and lots of different perspectives to have on it. I still so. don't see how gladiators get discounted entirely, though, from this if they've won two stages. <laughs> we're talking yeah. about meta differentials and glad still have won two stages, right? So we're like, well, Dynasty, you know, they haven't won anything, but they've been pretty good. But then we have glad to have won two stages back to back. And then, sure, they weren't great this stage. Oh, no, yeah, sure. But I think but I'm like, basing this off Soul Dynasty winning Kickoff Clash means and the Summer Showdown. It means Glass sure. and Soul and, and the Dallas guys are all in the same kind of category. Yeah. And yeah. the only outlier is like, well, Shock have been kind of good the entire way through, right? Your prop has been good the entire way through. So sure. like he's currently, he just kind of just soars ahead while everyone else has not been good for one stage or whatever, whereas prop has just been pounding all three. Yeah. Personally, I just think we shouldn't discount Gladiators players at all yet because they've won sure. two stages and there's still a whole nother stage to go after Summer Showdown. Like, I think it's just like kind of foolish to discount. I'm totally understandable if Proper is the front runner for people. And I think that's fair because he's like high up in my mind too. But I just can't write off Glad's players yet when they've won two stages. You know, I just can't do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it just seems I agree. Like, I agree. very unfair to them to be like this one stage will define them. But other teams were looking for like excuses to potentially fit them in. Why this stage didn't define them. So, well, I, for, for me, I, I think so many fans as well take it like so harsh. We were like, Kevsa, no, they lost in the Countdown Cup. He's dead to me. Like, that's not what we're really talking. We're talking about, like, very fine margins of, like, greatness. Like, these players are all absolutely fucking incredible at what they do. And you got to really find those little things that have made these other players better. So it's like, I completely agree with you. Like, Kevsa, in my opinion, is close to being the runner-up, even with this stage, just because of how dominant he's fucking been on that team and how flexible he's been. So, yeah, I, I think there's... I think it's easy to look over the fact that like we're sort of talking down to some of these players, but it's not really. Yeah. It's more. It's a hard year. It's, it's a really hard year yeah. to pick. Like, there's so many great players, and then up until this stage as well, Spark. Like, you had like Alpha Yi and stuff in the conversation, oh, but then, but right you know, that's there. that's fell off the cliff now. So, you know, <laughs> Johnny, really Johnny, everyone's allowed one bad stage. You know, we we did we did we that's true. Technically, yeah. if we base them off this stage, they are allowed a bad stage, so they, they could are allowed a bad stage. <laughs> They are allowed a bad stage. You know, that, that has nothing to do with me going on Plat Chat and, you know, making a bet with Avast that they were going to be number one at the end of the yeah, stage. Yeah, I know, Johnny. But... You remember that comment earlier about the best minds that Overwatch plus me? Maybe we should reverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that, this is why I'm not an analyst on the show anymore. I'm just a host and a producer. I'm regressing. <laughs> uh, you, you had something to say, Avril? Yeah, I think I don't know how you... I don't know about anyone else, but I think for me... I don't know. When does the voting actually happen? I can't remember, but... Uh, End of the regular the, season, I'm pretty sure. It does voting, not include the playoffs. Well, last year, no, last year it came. The the voting was available before the end of Countdown Cup, and I remember I specifically refrained from submitting a ballot until after Countdown Cup, just so I could see everything. So I don't know when it will come through this year, but I, the the criteria for me will end up being at the very moment I receive the ballot and I'm willing to submit it. What has what has all the candidates? What have they done throughout the entire year? And I'll, I'll look at everything at that point so guys we talk about front runners now but like yeah when we get to the end then you get to contextualize well like well, well glads was it just the one bad stage do they bounce back in the countdown cup what does that all kind of look like so i think there's still plenty of time for for front runner and for different candidates to make the case you know
yeah a lot still to figure out and i think after this weekend we'll know a lot more in that regard so uh quickly once more before we get to the stage playoffs itself i do want to quickly mention the atlanta rain uh we we kind of talked about them already in, in tangentially with the la gladiators but they did get 3-0'd by the uh la gladiators while you know they pretty much they were in their own hands or the, the, their fate in the the playoffs were in their own hands right if they had just beaten the la gladiators they would have made it right so yeah. instead of get 3 0 completely annihilated by the LA Gladiators. Are we disappointed in the look from Atlanta Rain, or do we kind of like, eh, it's the LA Gladiators, tough luck? I'm probably disappointed by the scoreline. I mean, this is a pretty hyped up match in terms of Kai should still be really, really good coming into this game. Hawk is, everyone's saying Hawk should be the best Jungle Queen in this particular matchup. Um, and I don't know, man. Like, I feel like Rain should have been good enough to take a map here. I'm, I, I think I was also maybe. Not as happy to see as much Ash being played by Kai when his Sojin is right at the top. And I, and personally for me, I still think Ash is a bit of a trap here. Like she's a bit overrated in this meta, in my opinion. So I don't know. That's interesting because I'm actually come warming up to the Ash as time goes on. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you all doubt it. God damn. Every day. I can't. I, I just can't believe how much disrespect I got for talking about Ash and everyone was shit on me the whole time. Now everyone's like, oh, Ash, pretty good. I literally was laid it out for you fools. In the beginning, I laid it out and you guys are now warming up to the Ash. Slow the roll. Slow the roll. I didn't say it was better. I think there is. Uh, yeah, you've like, been, but the point is, you've been warming up to the Ash, I, I right? Have, like Hollywood's second point, I think, is a great ash map right if you're able to just sit back be able to keep the distance get the dynamites if the team moves together like it has its moments and i think the teams that are bearing it up and like putting it in from time to time have shown uh some strength there uh but i don't know which one's better than the other like they, they I, will also say, I will also say it's completely dependent on like what team you're playing and the style i think both True. are easy to counter and i think the best example of this was the philadelphia fusion versus soul dynasty series this past week i think like Soul Dynasty, they decided to play a lot of Ash, especially like here in Hollywood. But I think Fusion did a fantastic job in like avoiding the angles and diving on top of fits on that Ash. So there's definitely ways to counter it. I don't think there's one over the other. It's super map dependent. It is extremely map dependent in my opinion. Um, and that's the number one factor for when I see Ash being played at all. It's when I see teams kind of forcing her, even on the, in my opinion, not good Ash maps, that I'm like, okay, what are you doing? Like, this is just subpar now i just think you need a lot of burst damage in this meta to get through double aoe plus green hp on cooldown rally on cooldown commanding shout right without the burst damage of the rail headshot like ash cool you're gonna tickle them for a little bit dynamite will tickle you it's fine it's good aoe but how do you kill anybody right it's just not as consistent in my opinion yeah sojin yeah, has some real system, pick yeah. potential like did you see that london game where sparker just decided that they were gonna win against yeah. on that second that. Yeah, that's the value of the Sojin compared to the Ash. The Ash does more damage and is more reliable in terms of getting you like team fight wins over time. But Sojin can just win you fights and maps with just some ridiculous like Sojin play. But it's it's just more of a gamble. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also think that teams have done a really good job in like playing the angles. And I think Nono Spitfire is a great example of that, of like how to be disciplined when your opponent has overclock or like how to play the angles to not take these rail shots like at the start of the stage some fucking lucios were just like wall riding and just like you know challenging the sojourn and now we're actually at the point where like teams are very much respecting the railgun and playing the angles appropriately so i i, I think it, sojourn I, I still think is the preferred pick because of the railgun but with teams avoiding building that railgun or like teams avoiding the railgun primary fire or whatever you want to call it 
um, to prevent the railgun from building up. I think that is the biggest kind of factor right now, that it's so hard to build a railgun on some maps. Well, we kind of diverge from the Atlanta rain topic, but I'm going to say that... Uh, it's a sidebar. Yeah, I'm going to say that I was very unimpressed with rain's performance in this. I think Speedly is kind of... Bit, he's been really good in his debut, but this was a match where he got punished a lot, I think, for aggression. Uh, Glads were really, really good at punishing him for like going for those aggressive dashes, looking for that extra damage when he was building blades in the neutral so fast before. And it was clearly something they knew that, like, okay, we can punish him a lot for this. I also think even though Kai has had, you know, he's been pretty solid, I don't think Kai has been the most standout hitscan player. This I agree, state, yeah. Um, which has hurt them a bit. Because uh, honestly, I think they, I think the rest of the rain core with like Hawk, Vigilante, and uh, OG has been very, very consistent uh, as they've gone on throughout the stage, as they've continued to get better and better. But I just haven't seen that same level of consistency from Kai at points. Um, so it's just like, I don't know. Rain definitely just fell below my expectations comparatively where I feel like they've always been kind of a slow team, like slow to start. And they get better throughout the stage. Like it's happened every stage for a long time now. Uh, and it's just unfortunate that they could not put up any maps here at all because I feel like it just puts too much way too much doubt on Rain when I feel like they're a way better team than that. But it's hard to rate them after they get like crushed in such a manner i'm just kind of happy that they finally got punished for being average in the regular season you know like <laughs> as much as that sounds like petty <laughs> like it, it it's like they they always go like three three and they barely scrape by and then they're like okay time to actually try in a way right like i feel like that that sort of happened coming into this stage they just sort of were started way too slow and then you know, were like well are they just going to use their talent to get over the line at the end you know they, they just didn't get there this time so It'll suck in the same way that it's like the gladiators of they probably would have been a better team on land than a couple of the other teams that qualified, but it's cool to be able to see some of these teams get a shot at it, right? Like Vancouver Titans, their first land. I would I I I'm interested to see how they're gonna do and you know, all the new pieces they have. So it is what it is. I, I'm really curious about the speedily Nero situation. Because speedily only came in partway through the stage. So how do you handle scrim? scrimming with that because it's like Couple? we've all heard the the sort of scenarios between the teams the coach is saying like oh you know can't play ranked it's hard to integrate other players you know stick to one tank because you know you you can't juggle two tanks with scrim time so how do you juggle the two genji players to you know did atlanta play near own scrims early on and then only integrate a speed later which means both players kind of halve scrims or Here's a wild take, did, well, a wild thought rather, did maybe Speedly play scrims the entire way through and Nero didn't actually get the scrim, but he had to play the matches anyway. So it's like a weird situation for the Atlanta Speedly while they're trying to transition a player. about it, by the way, Avril. I think he, he tweeted about it that he had essentially going into his debut match, he'd had like three days of practice total. Yeah. Right. So that so can like, be pretty rough. He had not been playing. He had not been playing like at all. It no. had been Nero. So like it was coming in last minute for him joining the stage in the roster in terms of like actual play time. When did Vigilante join? That was pretty recent in this stage as well, right? So it's like yeah, two very recent. Well. It's like kind of integrating two new players. It is a bit rough, you know, in some cases. I'm trying to make a couple excuses for them. I don't know. Just seeing like if there's a bit of copium there for Atlanta. I mean, there could be. I mean, you can't deny there is like some sort of things there. I just think when you look at how strong Rain was performing with these new integrations and it kind of just falls over on like an individual performance slash coordination level on their match versus the Glads when they've had the most time to perform. Like, obviously it's not impossible because rosters can just like 
especially newly formed ones can just like explode randomly in a high pressure match or like when stuff doesn't go your way. But I just don't think that like that argument would I think would have held a lot more weight cope wise slash hope wise if it was like in the beginning of the stage versus the end, you know, um, for me at least. But I do think that's like not out of the realm of possibility because Glad's because also Glad's have slotted in happy as well, um, you know, pretty and space. So technically, like it's hard to like kind of just like newish rosters in terms of like how they're running them across for both squads there. So. I'll also provide, uh, I mean, this, this might be a bit cope too, but <laughs> I'll also provide a different perspective of that, like, it, it feels like, uh, you know, obviously you want to win every stage and so, but I think with the acquisition of Vigilante, um, who's a rookie, um, you got, you know, Ultraviolet, um, OG, you have Speedly, who just turned 18 as well. Like, implementing or like integrating vigilante and speedily and you know missing out on a stage uh you know maybe the teamwork wasn't quite there it's not the end of the world for the for this franchise they have one of the most talented like rosters in the entire league for like the next two to three years to come like these guys are 18 like they just got eligible for the league and it's some of the most talented rookie rookies in the entire league so you know well, you're, you're the only gladiators are like, hey, we need happy. We need to bolster our hit scans so we can actually win, you know, the league this season. I almost feel like a bit of calmness from the Atlanta Reign in knowing that they have such a talented core or that they're going to be, like, probably sticking around for a long time now that, you know, you miss out on a stage. So what? You made top three, six consecutive ones. You missed this one. You, go, you aim for the playoffs instead. No big deal. I think some of the players might be on one plus zeros, but uh, don't, don't quote me on that. But All right. Well, I, I think I think <laughs> I think G and Brad would be a uh, it would not be like him to just like ah, ah we're not gonna renew that. Sorry, sorry, yeah. dude. Yeah. Oh, you can renew, but then the the player has a choice. Anyway, I don't know. I'm not gonna. Yeah, not I, I mean, I don't have that insight, so I can't I can't argue with thought you, experiment. Thought experiment. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking your anyway. word for this, Avril. So you know, it's hard to. No, don't quote me. Don't quote me. I'm just. Uh, just oh, okay. All right. You know, just. <laughs> Say it on the podcast, but act like you don't know about it. Just grapevine, just grapevine stuff. I don't yeah. know. Okay, grapevine, through the grapevine. Um, <laughs> all right, there's the Atlanta rain for you. Uh, moving on along, let's talk about the Florida Mayhem for a little bit. Uh, they obviously qualify. They take the last eighth spot um, to make it to the tournament after beating the Paris Eternal and also uh, beating the New York Excelsior in the very final match of the qualifier tournament. Bit of a meme team, people say. The double flex support, some far gameplay here and there. Um, what, what do we make of it? Do, do they actually have a chance with these funny compositions? Or did they just like, hey, they played New York, Paris. Let's you know, not make too big of a fuss about it. And then also, after that, we can talk about the fact that Majed, they announced, um, it will not be able to be traveling to the yeah, Toronto. Yeah, I think the flex support, I think it's entirely irrelevant for... So, for everyone that doesn't know, Majed... Announced Majed can't make it to Toronto potentially. They're working to resolve it. But if that's the case, it doesn't even matter what the double flex support option is because they won't play it in Summer Showdown without Majed. Uh, yeah. they, they'll play Onimo, um, who has not been playing. <laughs> He's been benched for Majed, even on Lucio. So it's potentially a moot point. But I will say the double flex support can work if the flex supports play perfectly. And that's kind of like the nature of the beast. Is like, but that's one of those comps where there's a reason teams don't play it, and it's because like if you have to play it perfectly every time, then it's not a very easily replicatable, like successful comp. Um, it's just something that works 
comfort wise. Like I said this story on my stream a lot and Gumba himself talked about, it, I think in the interview, but like I'll walk past Gumba in the office days. And I'm like, Hey Gumba, look how scrims going. He's like, Oh, we're shit. You know, and I'll walk away. <laughs> and, like, and I'll just, the thing for them is that he'll just like, cause Gumba, like Gumba just recognizes cause part of the reason what makes him a good coach is that he sees the weaknesses in a roster pretty quickly. I think. Um, and when they scrim and they're like, ah, oh, this isn't working. We need to make adjustments. It's the age old problem of like, do you try to force the meta where it makes sense? Or do you try to adjust to something that can work better for you? And the issue, the thing for me is they've determined that it is just better for them to potentially play double flex support. I think, um, cause the rest of their, the rest of their players are perfectly comfortable. I think playing meta, it's just, they can't, they don't feel as good playing Lucio Brigida all the time with this squad. Uh, so it's just, it's just, and, and I think they play around it well. So, I mean, if Majed makes it to Toronto, I think they can take maps off teams. I don't predict them being able to win against any top squads, though, with this comp. So, yeah. I, I agree. Like, I tell like everything you said, like, I, I've, I've worked with Gumbo at like in 2018. Like, he's a, he's a very realistic person. You know, we were, we were Team Australia going up against Team South Korea in 2018, uh, like, it, uh, going into the GOATS meta. And we're like, that's when I play Torp for us, because like you at some point you need to realize that it's like, we're not going to, you're not going to win straight up. You know, he understands the limitations of his roster. He said it in the interview of like, we're really just going to go on holiday because it's like, they understand that I'm not saying, they're not saying they're not going to try, but you need to be under like realistic with like what you what you can accomplish and going out playing your strengths, like, and so much Jet and RuPaul. They've had some moments of playing perfectly and just going absolutely crazy on that Zenyatta Ana, but it does just get punished by the higher end teams. As you said, like we saw the proper violet hit squad that just like single-handedly dismantled this Florida mayhem composition. So I, I think it'd be cool to see these guys. It's disappointing if Majed can't make it out because I think that's sort of, that's just going to, if anything, make it even worse than it already yeah, I mean, was. It's just doomed. Yeah. Then, unless Animo has like a life game. Though I will admit also with the addition of Hydron recently benching Exe, if Hydron, because Checkmate's put up consistently good Genji performances, if Hydron shows up and performs at the level he has recently, then there's some real hope, honestly, that they can still punch above their weight, um, which has kind of been the crux of the issue for Mayhem for, I think, a lot of the year, is that they just haven't had the same DPS firepower for large portions of the year. And, like, when they show up, there's, like, okay, like, there's a real game going on here. Like, there's a real shot for something to happen. So who knows, honestly. They're kind of, a, I think they're by far the most wild card of like they can show up and potentially take like have some really good matches or they can just turbo shit the bed yeah. so i since we're on the topic of realism i think like a realistic outcome for the mayhem that they can be happy with is if they don't get eliminated first so like if they can make it to lower bracket round two or if they can even upset houston like just anything like that because i think they're probably in my mind maybe like bottom two in this tournament bracket with the, with the eight teams, right? I think that's a realistic view to have, especially if Majed can't play. So if they can sort of get out of that and like, you know, be more like fifth, sixth, that'd already be like an accomplishment. Yeah, we will talk about more about the bracket later because we'll make one. But in yeah. the lower bracket, they are potentially facing the Vancouver Titans. So. Which I would say is winnable if... They had so much yet, but I like the fact that they, if they're going to have to play Animo and like forced to play this, like Lucio Brig meta everywhere, like I'm a little worried that, and I think it, Abbas is right. It's going to come down to Hydron. And I think at that point, if Hydron can do, you know, outpace Spire, then that's their win condition. But 
Like, that's a tough call. <laughs> yeah, that, that, it's like good yeah, luck. You know, I'm just, I'm looking at the Reddit stats right, right now, and Aspire is you know statistically one of the best surgeons we have in the league. So they did lose also, like, to Boston Uprising. That's true, but Seeker also was on a fucking bender on that one as oh, well. Oh, dude, what so. a debut performance! Uh, sorry, I wanna, go ahead. I want to say one thing about the Gumber interview, which, by the way, was a great interview. Like, I, yeah, I think it was, it was amazing. Great when, job, Costa. Amazing when the head coaches come on. If only any his coaches mic come on. didn't suck balls, but yeah. I was gonna say, like, he, sound like he was. <laughs> he wasn't very aware of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's doing the interview from the beach. No, I, one thing he said in the interview that was quite interesting it was like he's saying like, oh, you know, like maybe Dallas won't prepare for us because we're like a we're like like a cheesy wildcard team. I mean, he didn't use the word cheesy, but like Jake did. Um, and I'm like, I don't know that you need to do much preparation. Like when you look at their team, it's like the double flexible. It's like, do you need to prepare for that? It's like, they're just playing a worse version of everyone else's Junker Goats meta comp. Like it's just, it's just worse than the normal comp. So like what, what extra prep do you need to do for that? Like, I don't the know if I buy the whole prep thing. That, Avril, I will say just a note on that is that they let, they don't play the double flex support as traditionally as a lot of people would expect because a lot of times they'd kind of let Majed just donk walk around the map and look for kills. <laughs> and it's like absolutely bonkers. Like it's kind of dumb because they're like, this shouldn't work. But sometimes Majed's mechanics are just so eight tier strong that like they just work. So like that is the only difference is that like, when is Majed going to pop out of the corners? Which is like, sometimes we might have to prep about like, how do they set up Majed to take this He's going I think, mode, right? I think besides that, you're like totally right. Cause like what other prep do you need to do? Yeah, I, I think Dallas will be fine, quite honestly. Well, I mean, they want to be played Dallas. So I don't even know why I, why I said that. But if, if you're if you're prepping and you're not overthinking it, I don't know if you guys ever experienced this playing like cuss or something. But like one of the worst things you can do is actually over prep for a match and just like overthink it. And it's just like, oh, if they play this composition, we gotta swap over to this composition and we gotta play this way. And suddenly you're not playing optimally anymore because you're overthinking instead of actually playing the game. So yeah, you're, you're better off going down playing what you play. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. As soon as you start like altering and iterating on your own comp to try and deal with someone else's. Like, especially when you had something as hard meta as Junk Queen Goats, yep. as, like, you just lose. Like, that, like, I remember that happened to us in, it was like stage two Goats or something like that when we were on the Valiant or something like that. We played against Shock. Uh, we tried to play Sombra Goats, didn't work. We tried to play, ba uh, like, uh, Oira Goats, didn't work. I'm like, well, guys, back it up. We're going home because, like, we did, like, we have nothing else in the tank. Like, we're just not going to be. I just, I just think, like, if, if, if I'm Rush and I'm on Dallas, I'm just like, Okay, we'll just play our normal thing. Nothing's gonna change. We just if, if Dallas just played the normal game, they probably just win. You don't have to double flex support. All right, you do that. That's fine with me. You know, I just don't hypothetically in that Dallas mayhem matchup. I just don't think Rush changes anything. No, there's no way that he even. I mean, like prep is definitely one of the most misunderstood parts. I think of like esports slash in general, honestly, for how teams approach games, but especially and also in Overwatch because even though we have the breadth of compositions and like choices at times besides all the times we've been locked in one meta like the reality is teams throughout all my professional experience and like interacting with teams since then since retiring teams just don't prep that hard for individual opponents they just prefer to refine their own game is more often like how it goes so like prep is oftentimes like used and excuse like they were prepping for this team and i'm like i can assure you 90 percent of the time they were not prepping yeah. for this team <laughs> Sometimes people are like, oh, they were sandbagging their strats so they don't show them to this thing. It's like, guys, they don't think that le like level of deep. Like, Overwatch doesn't play like that. It's not like a Valorant where it's like you're giving away your playbook. Like, Overwatch doesn't play in that kind of way. It's it's more about refining these compositions, especially when you have hard metas like this. 
Yeah, so I, I remember like early on in my career, it was like either you play a soldier composition and sit back a little bit, or you play a Genji dive composition, or you play aggressive, sort of in tune with like soldier and Ash. So like that's about the limit of like composition expression that teams will go. I think is really do we want to play a bit more passive with an Ash, or do we want to play a bit more aggressive with a soldier? And I think that's pretty much the extent you'll see some of these teams adapt, especially in this tournament. So. Uh, yeah, we'll see how the Houston Outlaws deal with them. It would be funny as fuck, though, if they came out with some dumb composition because they were overthinking how to beat the Florida Mayhem. But, you know, I'm not going to count it out. That'd be absolutely hilarious. Um, before we move on to our next team, I do want to shout out that guy who donated $20 to the channel and said... That guy. For the record, I don't know if anyone has brought this up yet. The Mythbusters tested to see if mud prevents thermal imaging. The answer was a resounding no. Boom. Well, Roasted. There we go. Now we have empirical evidence, okay? Before, it, it was it was nonsense talk, but now we have empirical evidence. The mud does not work. So yeah. now we know. Thank you very much for that, uh, that guy. Thank now you. we have the answer. We can stop discussing Arnold uh, on this podcast for quite a while. We can move on to the next movie. He has a lot of good movies, to be fair. So sure. maybe we'll move on to, uh, to another uh, movie. Uh, for our next conversation... Two titans, or not quite titans, but two juggernauts of teams went head-to-head -head, uh, in both regions, both in APAC. But let's kick things off with the West first. Dallas Fuel, they took on the San Francisco Shock uh, for the top seed going into the stage playoffs. And Dallas Fuel 3-1'd the San Francisco Shock. What are our big takeaways from this one? Dallas Fuel, uh, obviously, they... they um, they broke the San Francisco Shock regular season win streak record as well. So tons of motivation there. The players rejoiced. Shock were a bit boomed towards the end. Was this indicative of their performance going into the playoffs, you think? Or are the Shock very much on par with the Dallas Fuel going into it? I think it could go either way, depending on the day. Like, I don't think this was like... As much as Dallas were definitely the better team... It really comes down to can Edison put these level of performances up again, like and consistently. Edison was very good in this match. He he definitely diffed Kilo. Uh, he just put out so much work, a lot of first picks. If he can keep playing like that, I think the shock will struggle. Um, but I think that there it's it's a lot of the little things going back and forth against these two teams. It really comes down to who's going to show up on land more than like individual stylistic differences, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think it's that deep. Like, just like we were talking about, like, individual strats, all this kind of stuff, I think it really just came down to individual performances at the end of the day because they both understand this composition very well. They're both very comfortable uh, in it. So, I, I, yeah, I don't think it's that deep. Yeah. I mean, the Ash was real good here, to be yeah. honest. Like, yeah. that, because I actually do think there was one key strategic difference, and it was based around the Ash for the majority of the series. And it's not just because Edison had a lights out fucking game it's because they use the ash a lot to split the shock dps like a lot like they would focus damage on one person we split and then they're like okay sparkle it's time to go fucking lay your dick on the table and take out the other dps like because he's split from the they can't help he's used the dash like there was a lot of options where i think they would poke one of the two dps and then have sparkle follow up um i also think that the dallas will backline on top of individual performance i think they kind of diffed the shock backline here uh, pretty significantly with how like we've seen how it's so impactful it is for Lucio's and Brigida's to hit flails and boops to deny rampages or deny ults or just to disengage from blades and they kind of like rolled and smoked a lot of the ults for the shock in this series with the uh, Chio and Fielder so but I think overall like that's minuscule in the grand scheme of things of what Custer was saying was like the fuel just simply played so good and played yeah. like way better on an individual level 
um, than the Shock did today. But I do think the Ash, like the way that they used the Ash was really significant in terms of like splitting up picks for the for Sparkle to go chase down. So, so, so this, is, this is where I'm going to respond to the Ash because I'm, uh, I was going to bring up the Ash as well, but maybe in the opposite direction. Like, if for what it's worth, I, I think the Ash is good. I think the Ash here was obviously Edison, you fucking get it, right? Edison was amazing in the series. Can't take that away from him. My issue is, like, I don't think you can rely on the Ash for this tournament. Because when you look at the map series, what do we play? Ilios, Paraiso, uh, Dorado into New Queen Street. And funny enough, New Queen Street ended up being the map that didn't play any Ash, even though, like, I think that Ash is reasonable there. My point is, the entire series was all good Ash maps. That's why you get away with it. Edison can play the Ash because they're all good Ash maps. Paraiso, Dorado, I think the two biggest Ash maps in the entire map pool. So unless Dallas can just guarantee those maps all the time, which you're not going to get when you have map choice selection, like you're going to be forced to play some Edison Sojin eventually. And that needs to be as good as the other Sojins, if not better, to, you know, make sure that Dallas can actually get to the end, maybe win the, the title. Uh, I, I, I still have my doubts that you can actually force the Ash the entire way through. I think that would be a mistake. I think Edison did play an insanely good Ash and did if Kilo, but like you just can't do that every single do you, time. Do you think Kilo prefers the Sojin though? Like I thought, I, I think, I think so. oh really? I thought Kilo preferred the Ash as well. Like I thought the Shock, maybe it's just like the maps I've watched and I've seen him playing more Ash, but. Um, yeah, I mean, going like, back in the regular season, Kilo has historically pitted the Ash. So I think that's why you kind of feel that way, but I don't yeah. have an answer for you. You, has Kilo played more Ash or more Sojin this stage and season? I haven't so, seen all the games. I think I feel like so. it has to be Sojourn, but it's like he's put a lot of time on the Ash. Even the teams yeah, that favor know. Ash, I'm pretty sure, and don't quote me on this, I'm pretty sure that okay. even like the teams that prefer Ash still play majority Sojourn. Can I say this? And I, I, I think I think Proper prefers it when Kilo plays Sojourn. Because when you have a team, like the Sojourn enables your team to go a little bit more, you know, donk walk and just like you you can just like actually run into the other team you can play fast right you're not a passive team the other thing the ash really does to support the genji and you'll notice this from lips gameplay is a lot of the value of the sojourn is not that you can just one shot somebody but you can set up the kills for the genji because even if you don't get the headshot you get the body shot on the rail that's when the genji just shifts in gets the kill shifts out like you see a lot of that so uh, when you I have, have a oh, sorry so uh, so when you when you want to really enable a guy like proper i think sojourn is better with proper Genji or just any good Genji. Yeah, I, I sorry, I have the numbers here. Uh, Kilo played seventy minutes of Ash. Edison played eighty minutes of Ash. So they're around the same place, and that's like middle of the pack. While Hisu played two hundred and seventeen minutes of Ash. Yeah. Um, Hisu's been going crazy, but yeah, it uh, seems, it seems the like they both played like yeah, just for this stage, weeks 15, 18, uh, 15 through eighteen. I still don't have the stats in. There's a rip. Uh, there's a, it's on Reddit. Uh, the Sojourn Ash Junker okay, Queen no. stats. Oh, do you have the Sojourn stats too then? Like, how did the Sojourn compare to the Ash numbers? Um, they, they don't tell you the how long they played Sojourn for. They oh. only show you how long they played Ash for. So you got to kind of like iterate off of it. Um, but Kilo's Sojourn stats, uh, his damage is quite low. You, I guess you can go on Reddit and find, put it up uh, and that might help. But I'm too Kilo's, lazy. Okay. Uh, Kilo's, <laughs> honestly, their Sojourn stats are very similar um between edison and kilo considering that they're both on top teams and stuff like that uh edison dies a lot though it, 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 it's actually such a weird matter like I'm, I'm not trying to dismiss that or anyone who actually like re reads into the stats but i feel because of the stylistic differences 
the the stylistic differences is actually like more important than the stats themselves like to an extent of course you're going to see a big difference when like you know it's merit popping off or kilo popping off but for the most part i actually do think that there is so much like stylistic difference in like how aggressive you want to play as a team or like what angles you want to take as a team that they don't fully like justify whether someone is better than the other uh, you know because i do think the teams have different tempo in this meta i think that's the best way to describe it like are they willing to sit back and take less fights or do they always want to like push spawn doors all this uh, all the time and like you know you you get more stats that way so um you know i i i i care I'll, I'll tell the audience to be careful to not just like assume that just because someone's number one in stats they're not the best it's game player around so take it with a grain of salt is what i'd say I don't know if you guys agree with that, but um, Actually, I, do, I, do. I do think that there, there, there's a surprising amount of difference in approach to teams wanting to take fights at different points in the map and how fast they want to take fights, etc. Um, but yeah, any, any final points on Dallas Fuel against the Shock? I think we're all excited to see a potential rematch in the tournament itself, but it seems like the Dallas Fuel is the favorite of the two. Um, and we'll dive into the bracket later These on are the best two teams. These are the best two teams. Yeah, and Charles. Okay, just just because uh, I, I I just have this like kind of like ball of first take energy inside my soul, Avril. Would you say that they're the best two teams in the world, or do you think Shanghai Dragons have a say in it? See, that's the thing is like <laughs> we don't have this <laughs> thing, man. Because the problem is like, with, with, with the, we you look at last year, you just compared to last year, like when you had every tournament was international. Who was good? What tournament changed? Like APAC dominated. Uh, was it Summer Showdown? But then they kind of got wiped out in some of the other tournaments. You know, so it's like it changes per meta so you know it's it, that's the rough thing about the mid-season madness being the only the only international because like you know you can't get that comparison otherwise so I, but i would say like shanghai look insane shanghai look unlocked who i use in my opinion the best genji in the world lip is just phenomenal right now like shanghai's form is so good it's for me it's so hard to have a gauge it's not even like how good is the shanghai dragons of the soul dynasty it's like how much do their opponents suck as well like you know like we have a yeah i feel well the range of teams in north america in which we can pin teams against like when they beat them or lose them and that kind of stuff there's only seven so it's like maybe valiant is like a middle of the pack team in north america and we just don't give them enough credit because they're like we don't have a reference, a point of reference. So it's it's really hard to tell, but I agree with Avril. I think Shanghai Dragons would probably be able to compete with Shock and Dallas I, I, from I the think eye the thing test. that sucks the most is just like, if you're Shanghai Dragons going into this tournament, like how do you efficiently practice to be your best? You, you pretty much have to play so. Like, or you, yeah. you, you can't... Like contenders. You can't scream Guangzhou because that's your first matchup. So you scream like Philly, Seoul, and contenders teams. Scream O2 Blast. Yeah. Well, but, but uh, and, you know, I don't want to put any disrespect towards O2 Blast, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is if you're Dallas Fuel, you can scream Houston, San Francisco Shock, um, even, mm -hmm. I don't know, like Ladder is probably not screaming the Jotsman anymore. But like, there's just more great teams, like, it, you, you're not as limited to your practice. And I think that allows for teams like the Shock and Dallas Fuel, as we saw in the international tournament, to like really push their inefficiencies uh, in a way that perhaps you're not, you're not allowed as good of practice partners in APAC. Again, not disrespecting those teams, but I don't know if you agree with Well, I'll say this, like, I I think you, I think that's definitely more relevant uh, from Mid-Season Madness, because here's a dichotomy of contenders, is that contenders, when they started playing A-sides, B-sides this year, they're like season, quote-unquote, they start on the Junker Queen meta, right? They started Junker Queen meta like full month before Overwatch League. Overwatch League was still playing, you know, mid-season playing the old patch. So we never had a situation where contenders could actually scrim 
Overwatch League. Um, now, historically in APEC, most of the good scrim partners and good scrim diversity came from the contenders teams. And teams like O2 Blast, Talon have always been sort of on par with the Overwatch teams, Overwatch League teams in Asia anyway, in APEC anyway. So, like, they were insanely good scrim partners for the APEC team. So, I think now with the fact that contenders and Overwatch League are aligned on the same Junker Queen patch, there's a lot more like crossover between the APAC teams getting to actually widen their scrim pool and that's like really important to their practice so that's part of the partially why i think like things are looking better from summer showdown when like things up until now were maybe a little shakier all right that wraps up nicely uh from the san francisco shock the dallas fuel and the shanghai dragons uh let's talk about the boston uprising uh, they, uh, I, I just want to, I just want to quickly mention them before we dive into the to the Apex side as well, because it was fucking funny that they came out with the Western lineup and reverse swept the Vancouver Titans. Seeker with a fantastic debut performance, Crimson and Punk back in the lineup as well. Punk's parents very happy about it on Twitter. Updated the graphic, uh, but come on now, yeah. come on, we we just gotta. This is so delightful. This uh, was. I mean, I'm I'm gonna be. All, I mean, first of all, I, I I send a sly smile towards Custa because, like, I'm sure he's. <laughs> I send a sly smile here towards Custa because of the uh, just the 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 situation. A situation similar to this has happened across many Overwatch League rosters throughout all of time, um, in relation to Lori's leaving and the sudden resurgence of Western players. Uh, you know, it's just like it's it's rather interesting how many times this scenario plays out in the Overwatch League to varying success. It doesn't always end in success necessarily, but in this case, it has. Um, so I find that funny. Secondly, I hope that people mag or, or not mag, but it was rather who was the ta oh Piggy was teasing a signing. Wouldn't it be funny if Piggy gets signed to Boston and gets benched? <laughs> 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 dude, dude, oh, you're lucky Lori's not still on the team because he's like, write that shit down, write that down, write that shit down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well played to Boston. I mean, they played uh, fantastically. They played like great. They played great Overwatch, but also I think just as importantly as that, like Seeker and Punk had incredible individual performances too. Um, top that, and I also felt Titans hard. They all the things that were going right for them along with some of the issues were heavily exacerbated in this match it felt like they didn't have any of the tempo that they had previously it felt like they didn't have any of the setup or the initiation like a lot of their fight setups that they had that had done so well before in addition they ruined themselves with the may pick a couple times honestly they thought that they, they actually thought they were backbone pepe laugh and like it just did not <laughs> it didn't work out i think um that was actually so brutal they tried to go onto the village point like four times yeah. and every time just yeah. got annihilated. I, I, I personally felt like yeah this was a great performance from boston but overall titans kind of lost the series with some questionable comp choices and just really a lot of their setups got denied um pretty heavily by boston too so like it was a good match very good match yeah um yeah i, I think it was cool see P punk sort of overcome everything as you said there is a lot of similarities between what happened to him what happened to me so uh you know it's it's cool to see australians prevail once more um but yeah i agree like i think crimson and punk i think have looked to be their best pieces throughout the entirety of the year when they have played like you go back to the kickoff clash like they were the players that were performing well and those were the players that were getting the wins for them and you know it kind of felt like that moment of like are they really going to sign mag and just go fully korean um, but I, I don't think you'll see that happen again, especially when you add Seeker into the mix, who just went 
fucking crazy. But I agree with everything about said. Like, uh, as much as we can praise Boston a lot as well, it also raised a lot of questions for me with Vancouver Titans mm. of like, if they just don't have Aspire go kill five uh, in their like wheelhouse, or maybe they just need to lean into that more of just like our job is to give Aspire more space because what they were doing here with the May just did not work uh, in certain situations. So if it doesn't work against Boston, it, it makes you fear for what they're about to go up against in the, uh, in the land. I'm kind of glad that, you know, Vancouver were to like, kind of get a wake-up call. This is like a good game to get that. So they can sort of take that into the tournament. I don't feel... It's, it obviously feels bad to get a reverse web, but like being 2-0 up and being in a winning position is still like a silver lining for Vancouver. So I think they can have a reasonable chance of bouncing back. We'll see if that ends up happening in the tournament or not. I, I still have some concerns towards Boston moving forward, though. Uh, winning here is like, it's cool, but you've, you've lost Laurie, which is great for the, the Western players and maybe great for the team as well. Uh, you've lost Baroy as well, so that's two coaches gone. Baroy's now GM of Vancouver. Um, Oof, and tough first match. That is pretty rough for Baroy in some cases. Yeah, uh, but it's not like Baroy is like, as the GM, I doubt. Uh, obviously, it depends on his role. But no, 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 no. I'm just yeah. saying, if if you're Baroy. Emotionally, like, ah. emotionally. Oh, well. Yeah, fair. Oh, well. Yeah. But so anyway, it's like um, Austin now just have Askoft. It's like Askoft and Mineral and like one other manager, right? Like that's their entire staff because they've lost Huck and Laurie, Baroy. Um, and they look like they want to be moving towards a more Western style roster. So jury's out on how that all looks with limited staff moving forward. You know, I, I hope for the best because I want to see Punk do well. But, you know, they are, they are losing a lot of people on this team at the same time. They'll be fine. Yeah, They're a professional organization. But also, I mean, let's, we should probably <laughs> discuss, I think, as part of this, of like the uh, Lori departure in general. Like, uh, did, considering where Lori's pedigree was coming out of contenders to Boston, was any of this shown at any point during his tenure at Boston? And I would argue no. Wait, sorry, what did you say? Like, we're talking about staff departures. And then I go on the topic of Lori because they announced Lori left the team, right? Um, recently. So like, and they've gone this full Western direction. Like, I don't necessarily know if like the loss of the staff will necessarily change their direction heavily, just because it feels like the staff they've had were relatively ineffective. You know, uh, like they just haven't had any. They've been they've been kind of just ass. I have for a theory. I have a, a theory. Time. Okay. My theory. On. I don't think Laurie's a good mixed coach. It's clear that he wants to play. It's clear that he wants a full Korean roster. It's, it's very obvious that's his direction. I think he's like a good coach, maybe in a full Korean team, but like there's there's a lot of. I'm, I'm going to speculate that there's definitely a bit of you know. Uh, I'm not not to use the word conflict, but there's like there's definitely some struggle internally between like what the direction of the team is. Um, the oh fact yeah, that you have a lot of mix. They've all hinted at it. I think I think Laurie yeah. did well in on WG. Like they literally beat O2 Blast and had proper and Pelican on the fucking team. Like that's that's a big deal. Right, Laurie's WGS beat O2 Blast with those two giants on the team back in the day. So I think Laurie like knows what he's doing, and he's he's kind of like proven that kind of way. But like the Boston environment situation just didn't work out for him. I don't, I don't think he's a bad coach, but I think him and Boston don't work. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Just a quick note on that. I feel like it's a very contentious topic, and I I do want people to like understand as well that like yes, Laurie put himself in this position to manage like a mixed roster, but at the same time. Uh, you know, maybe put himself, put yourself in his shoes, and understand that maybe 
it's so he considers it suboptimal or like very difficult to be a head coach as a Korean of a mixed roster when it comes to like communicating with like Western players and like how can you efficiently coach a team, you know, if you don't yourself maybe like oh I got an ad of um. Uh, like it, it's a very tough job for a head coach as a Korean maybe to like manage a mixed roster and we've seen this time and time again that like Korean coaches and I don't blame them sometimes struggle to properly coach um, a mixed roster so yeah Laurie put himself in that position but I do want you know people to maybe understand that maybe there was like a, a reason that he didn't go like Korean try to go Korean for any like dumb or immature reason or anything like that maybe it, it, there's also like an understandable reason that he wanted to be the best coach possible and that's allowed him to coach the best obviously it didn't work out but i'm trying to see it you know see it from both sides yeah yeah i i can i, I kind of want to hit on that because yeah you know, i like i've been a part of this situation before hey, it was well. moon of the Valiant, right yeah yeah like well, i've had the i've had the idea and like the thing that i want to reiterate to your point johnny is that this doesn't people are like oh my god these people hate each other or this kind of stuff it all comes from the same seed of everyone's just trying to win. No one really dislikes anyone that heavily. People are just trying to win. And as Johnny said, for these Korean coaches, they are. it is much easier for them to do their job, get their ideas across, help their players, promote them, all that kind of stuff. If you're doing that with people that you can communicate effectively with, right? It's much easier as a Korean head coach to impart with your wisdom if you're doing it with Korean players and fully. And then you also have, you know, uh, the social hierarchy of, you know, Korean people of like, in, in Korean culture, you heavily respect the person above you, especially if they're uh, like older than you. And that is a big thing. That does not exist in Western culture. And that can be a, a form of grinding for a lot of these people. And then there's just like practice, regimes all that kind of stuff a difference between west and korean so it all comes from a place of people wanting to succeed but there definitely has been many cases that it doesn't work and it's very difficult to do and that's why i give so much praise to people like crusty who has managed to do it over multiple seasons with multiple rosters time and time again and that's an impressive feat to do yeah I, yeah i I, th I think people are too quick to just like oh crusty did it so therefore everyone else should be able to do it too but like communication skills uh you know, like you said, like the the, the Korean like hierarchy, uh, being able to talk English properly. Like Krusty actually has pretty good English, you know. But that doesn't mean that all Korean head coaches has good English. So these are variables that you know come into play when you discuss someone's, um, you know, the, whether their skill, whether they're appropriately able to coach a mixed roster. So you can't just make like blanket statements that like. Oh, you know, Krusty did it, so therefore all others are able to do it too. Um, no, you know, it's, it's it's from coach to coach. But I do want to go back to uh, a point you said, Avril, as well, that you said that maybe someone like Laurie is more fit to coach an all-Korean roster instead. So there, there are actually a few Korean rosters in the league. So I want to pose the question then. Like, for example, do you think that Laurie would be a good fit for, and I'll give you just examples, you can bring your own example if you wish, the Washington Justice instead of Supreme, or the Toronto Defiant, who currently have Moby Dick as a head coach. Do you think that, that those would be good environments for Laurie? Or, I'll, I'll give you a bailout, I'll give you a bailout, that both teams qualified for the stage, are doing pretty well already, let's not mess with anything that's kind of working already. Also NYXL, throw that out in there. I know, NYXL, oh, yeah. That's a big one, that's actually a big one. Um... I was gonna say Toronto. I think Toronto fine. Also, Moby Dick's like really good. So I th I think they should just promote Moby. He's been in the league since 2018 on Fusion. And he's he's he, got experience. This is like because you know we not to get into the topic of like well what is a hit what is coaching because no one knows what coaching is. But like here's what I quantify. This I I kind of take opinions from players in terms of like 
who players regard as a good coach. Yeah, and I know that thing. most play most players regard Moby Dick as a good coach. So I'm like, Toronto are probably fine. Just promote Moby. Maybe Washington could do something there. I think New York's a big one though. If, if I was going to choose a team, I'd probably choose New York. Here's my, here's yeah. my counterpoint. Do do we as you know esports? This just exists in all sports and that kind of stuff. Do we praise uh, experience way too much? Would it be better if you are any of those teams? How is it worth signing a coach like Laurie to a team who has you know had been pretty unsuccessful over the two years that he was on the Boston Uprising? Or would you better off getting a good contenders coach who has shown a willingness and a grind and a drive to like be better? Like, I mean, that yeah, was Laurie once upon a time. Yeah, because like, and, and that's it. Like that, but that was you know two years ago, right? Like, yeah, there's yeah. so much time has passed. You know, we know how much people's motivations change over those times. Like, I don't know. Like, I I, I worry for a team like New York Excelsior, which seems to be just grabbing. Team, like teams, uh, players and coaches from teams that don't want them anymore. Mm-hmm. Is that is that are they going to do the same thing with Laurie and run into the same issue of hey maybe we grab him? It's like oh maybe he's not the best coach or the coach that we were looking for. So I I will say this: some coaches are like very much fit to coach a specific kind of team in a specific place in a specific environment, and this goes this also applies to like real sports as well. So like for example. You know, if you're in the Premier League, we're talking soccer here, for example, there there are definitely like coaches that definitely get hired to like the bottom teams to like take them and like have them go up another level. But that's very different from like joining an established, like really good team and make them like a world champion. Way more like intricate in like strategies and stuff like that. Um, I believe in the NFL, like there's certain head coaches that like specializes in different, you know, defense, offense, but also like special mm-hmm. teams. So like, how can you enter a team and like establish a framework that is understood by the individuals and where they are in their career? So for example, in the Overwatch League, I would say that like some head coaches, they're fit to like maybe come into like a really good team already and like maybe try to compete with the Atlanta Rain or the San Francisco Shock. But I think an even better example is some head coaches are probably better suited for contenders to like, hey, Hey, contenders, guys, like you're, you're a bit inexperienced, but you have the potential. I'm arriving and I will implement a framework and a system for how we approach maps, how we approach uh, compositions, efficient practicing. But like that framework is already established in a lot of Overwatch League teams. So if you're one of those contenders coaches and get promoted, well, what can you provide that perhaps takes the New York Excelsior to compete with like the London <laughs> Spitfire? So again, it, it's very hard for us as quote-unquote pundits to like know what we're talking about in this regard but i do think that you know just because someone was good in contenders doesn't mean they're good in the overwatch league and even vice versa like just because you're good in like the overwatch league in some extent doesn't mean that you're better suited for like bottom teams or contenders level so it depends on like who you are as a coach what you provide to teams and where you can realistically like upgrade what they're already doing so that's that's just me saying that i have no idea what the fuck's going on just for the memes i want to pose something to custom just for the memes real quick because you mentioned like Oh, maybe some like contenders career coach should come on through. I'll just include career because we're talking about Korean teams. Uh, let me let me post you two current head coaches from contenders career, and let me know if you 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 jive with any of these guys. Two on the two of the top teams. So Talon okay. and T one. Talon T one. You ready? Yeah. Uh, we have Hajion and eight one five. Do you like any of those guys? Vibin. Vibin. Any other vibes in the, in any of the other teams? Uh, O2 are running with a full, like, brand new coaching lineup. I don't really know them too well. Yeah. I think I, there's an X player in there. Yeah, you know. I mean, I think it's, so, I think we should the, try the, that. I think know? we should try Pajon. He sounds, he two, sounds like a great two, coach. The two most, like, the two most, like, 
well-known coaches and continue his career right now are eight one five in Pajon. So you that's know funny. that's that's just crazy choices. <laughs> I think I did. I, I mean, I think we should try the brand new coaching lineup then from O two. Also, yeah. I think Lori Lori's redeemable because of the fact that I will say Lori's redeemable just because of the fact that like once again, like Johnny said, it could be better in a, and like Avril said, it could be better in a full Korean lineup. Yeah, absolutely. I just don't think if you're a mixed team looking to pick up a coach right now. You simply are crazy if you're looking at Lori. Is just the reality. Like you're crazy if you're a full Korean roster like New York. Sure, Moby Dick I think is great and defiant. I don't think there's any reason to move. Padgy on eight one five. Holy, <laughs> I mean, uh, let's so, throw KDG in the remix there too. Yeah, maybe the KDG in there. So like, but that, but I, I think overall that like this is um, that's the thing that's different when we talk about the experience angle. And this is also way off the tangent of like what I was supposed to be like. Initially, I was, point, yeah. all I was saying was I was disputing the fact that the staff leaving affected boss in any way because they were clearly ineffective. Yeah. <laughs> so it didn't matter if they left. But, you know, like it was because which is a common occurrence. It happens a lot. You can have staff that are literally even if they're not actively harming you because of their inability to do their job at times, like they're uh, maybe their inability to work with their roster. They're still best to just go and it would either neutrally affect you or positively affect you you know um so i do think that this is like uh a yeah. good a Connor, good thing overall for boston so. I, I was just saying like ask off needs help because he's the only coach right now yeah i mean one, they have only one coach on the team that's it yeah i mean i i, I sure i i agree for sure like coaching is nice um it's gonna it be, be a nice, first sometime like, it just depends i think also every roster is different like I think we we put a lot of emphasis on like we need more staff for people, but it really depends on like what the job of the staff are and like what the confidence level of the team is. But I do agree, he probably would do well having an assistant coach. Uh, I think that would be nice for him. Um, so maybe they can get eight one five. Maybe they can get Tadjian. I don't know. So well, we'll just, maybe they get KDG back. <laughs> you should get all three. I think you should do a team with all three. One. Maybe they poach like Changun and then have him be an assistant. Yeah, coach. Like, I don't know. It's just like we just. We go over through the circle round and round. Um, but yeah, I, I, do, I do think it's fine. Wizzy Jung had a redemption arc. He's now on Seoul. Have you seen him? He looks great. He's he's he's. I mean, what is his man. role? Wait, you're saying Wizard had a? I mean, you, he's Jack now, and he's like he's maybe he's, he's on a successful. Are you talking yeah, like so physical wait, so attributes? His redemption arc is that he got fit, and then he went to a team that That's got successful. Really yeah, and what I'm saying, because like we've all heard the rumors of like NYXL in 2018, we've all heard that stuff circulating. So it's like the question is of like, I think there is you can learn, and there is things to be. Get. From experience, but I'm not taking my gamble on Lori. I don't even know why I brought this up at this point. But <laughs> so this is way off of where we're supposed to go here. But like it was just it was just simply me saying Boston will be fine without their staff. Sure, they can go with an assistant coach. So you're like, telling me they get a maze as a shot. Yes. Yo, get, oh, get a maze. Yeah, well, Eagle Gaming, am I right, French people? Let's go. Let's go. I actually, oh, yeah, right. I actually would fucking love if at the end of the season, get a mace return to the Eternal. I guess the Las Vegas and Eternal it, here, and then just fucking rally back yeah. and just make yeah. it happen again. That would, that would be, be hilarious. Really but I mean, that's like striker to Boston uh, uh, round two, like round two. Yeah, maybe a yeah, maybe not that. Maybe, maybe, not, maybe more not successful that. than that. Yeah, maybe not that. I do think that get a mace is actually a great shot for a coach that probably should return to the Overwatch League and Wii U. Hope he gets another opportunity too. So maybe not the New York Excelsior, but could be a different team. <laughs> um, 
Uh, I, I also, I did see that Wizard Young is the head of strategy and data coach. I don't know why the fuck he has the most intricate titles in the Overwatch League after Huck, but... Man knows how to negotiate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let me put it on my LinkedIn real quick. <laughs> but I'm going to deduct from that that Wizard Young is the motherfucker who put profit on Brig because he's the head of strategy. So, I don't know. Maybe he's a genius. Who knows? Maybe it is Toby, but... They I, were I'm trading gonna... creative. They were trading creative, so they literally didn't have another support. So, you know, that's the real reason. Well, no, right, don't take this away it. from Wizard. Don't take this away from Wizard Helm. Don't okay? take this away. Yeah. Hey, he's a mastermind. <laughs> but that's yeah. a ma that is a master move. He's like, guys, we don't have. I mean, that's just genius. It's because you still have to determine who's gonna play Brigida, right? Yeah. Think about that, huh? And also, well, no, he, I think Pavel was the only other option because they are, they have s six players, right? So it's like, if Creative isn't gonna play, it's like, well, what are we gonna do? <laughs> Stalker or Profit? Wizard Young, the genius. Hey man, you, you gotta give uh, Profit some. Some props. He beat he beat out Stalker for the brick job. <laughs> so you know, let's give credit to him. Uh, I'll just highlight this quickly because we're on the topic as well. Uh, the Overwatch League they actually updated uh, or uploaded a player POV from Profit on Brig, um, and you can actually hear Avril and uh, Achilles cast this match as well while you watch his POV with the camera and everything. So you know, I know I know teams around the league have up uploaded their own POVs uh, using the replay viewer and stuff. It doesn't have the casting. That doesn't have the casting, but this is a neat, neat little thing. So if Good. you're interested in how people play Brig in this meta, this is a whole map from Profit uh, playing Brig here. What's so important here from Profit so far is that he's been making sure to pack his Genji. Notice that, from yeah. being a player. Notice that he's packing yeah, everyone, his Genji. And then you can go everyone, implement it in your own Overwatch 2 play. Everyone in the comments of this POV video keeps saying, like, why does, why does Profit and Pro Brig players keep just swinging their mace nonstop? Wait, does anyone know? I actually don't know the answer to that. Wait, you well, don't know the answer? It, it, Wait, you don't? It's because you might inadvertently hit something. Yeah, the every proc and fire. It, it, yeah. Was, it was a big thing during uh, Sombra metas of like, you should always be swinging. If you're not going to hold your shield, you should be swinging. And you don't want to always be holding your shield because you don't want it to like randomly take damage because you kind of need it. So it's like, okay. it is literally just for the very small percent chance that you accidentally hit someone yep. is yep. why they do it. I trust Scott. He's always he's be swinging. Support. Trust yeah, it's always. actually something that's very hard to get into the habit. I've tried, and it's just very annoying to just always be swinging. <laughs> All right, that's a quick, neat little video for you. Uh, I did have one more thing. Oh, yeah, since we're on coaches in the Overwatch League, one final thing on this. I'm going to t make this my two minutes, where I give a fuck ton of praise to Deepay for turning the Vancouver Titans around. Because, I look, people, after Deepay left the LA Gladiators, they were always like, oh, he held the LA Gladiators back, they could never win anything with Deepay. Uh, always been uh, unsuccessful and never lived up to the hype. You know, he had so much money to work with. He had the GM and the coach role, and there was this big old drama. It's like, oh, he has too much power over this roster. All right, fair. You know, maybe we shouldn't have someone have be GM and coach at the same time. But the way he's fucking coming to the Vancouver Titans, as I, as I said, the idea of introducing frameworks and like a winning attitude and efficient practice, it's clearly worked out for the Titans. And I recognize that the Vancouver Titans, despite losing so much in the early season, they had a very tough strength of schedule. They did have the potential, etc. But you gotta give Deepay some props, man. Like, um, I because there was like a solid year when everyone shat on Deepay and were like, he failed with the other gladiators. He was never a good coach, and they should have always hired someone else. 
I think it's very evident, by the way the Vancouver Titans have performed this stage, that Deepay had a real impact on that roster. The players have a completely different mental, like, turn it around from, uh, compared to the start of the season, when they were, like, tweeting, like, haha, we're on the Vancouver Titans, we're just losing, ah, oh, lose streak, ah, oh, this is so much fun, blah, blah. Now, they're actually, like, joking, having fun with each other and, you know, winning some games. So, you know, think twice before you criticize Deepay. I think he's done a fucking fantastic job in the Vancouver Titans, oh, and he, do know, he doesn't I, give I, any yeah. credit for it. <laughs> I want to come in here as well, you go first, Apple. Oh, mine's mine's really fast. It's, just, it's actually just a meme. It's nothing of substance. But I remember in the uh, the the uh, when you do the watch point, the selection show, and Deepay came up. My first thought was, "Oh, damn, dude! They still didn't have a jersey for him." <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Unlucky. Uh, well, my point was, uh, I think people need to slow their roll on Deepay. I like he has done a great job. He has finally got three wins. I'm sorry, Johnny. I I can't follow you up on this, but here's my thing. Deepay has done a great job of changing the culture. He is a good coach, but what I'm saying is people are like, Deepay should be coach of the year of like after this stuff. I, it's okay, like, I didn't say that. I did not say that. I did not say that. I'm right. Johnny, everything you said is true and 100%. I'm talking to the people out there who are like, Deepay is the greatest coach in the world. He has turned the Vancouver Titans. They beat Paris Eternal, New York Excelsior, and then they got they won that Washington Justice game, which to me is the big indicator of like growth and success. And I, I give them respect. He's changed the culture. He's put players on the right heroes. Mira onto that, uh, onto that Junker Queen. Everyone feels comfortable. They've done a great job. But let's just like, I want to see more. And I want to see Dipe like step up into that role even more because, you know. I want to see a jersey. Yeah, I, I, everyone wants to see a jersey. I, I want to see the see healthy jersey. Or at least I the jersey. keep going <laughs> and keep <laughs> building on that. But that's what, that's what I'm trying to say. Is like, it, that's not supposed to be a slide against Dipe. I just think people need to, need to be careful about some of these narratives that. Yo, I swear to God, sometimes I'm like listen to like podcasts or whatever, and it, it feels like people are just making up. Who are these people, Costa? Who said that Deepay is the coach they, of the year? Okay, Were they on so Twitch? Was it like someone minus ten on Reddit? Who are they? I can back yeah. Scott. I've seen the comments. I can back Scott. thank you, thank you. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So there's people in there. Someone in YouTube chat, expose yourself real quick, thinking that you thought Deepay is coach of the no year. No one's fit. No one here is like. The, on average no one here we're not uh, one generally makes someone's a comment if i've seen comments we're not we're not making up people to fight generally you know yeah. we're not we're not expo we're not riling up the base to fight the, the, the invisible enemy so i just I'm find sure. it hard to believe someone on reddit got like 20 upvotes and also like, but the thing is, the you see all sorts of crazy shit on like yeah. social media all the time like there, you see people still to this day being like just like the most unreasonable demands about like all sorts of shit that are like completely out of everyone's control. You know, you literally still people unironically typing casters start game. Casters talk too much, you know, like shit like that, you know? Yeah. Like it's it's silly. All right. Pause. Just start game casters. <laughs> I still okay. thought I still thought one of the funniest things I saw was when Baroy got announced and his you know, he got announced for GM. I'm like, oh damn, dude, they already got Baroy a jersey. Look at that. <laughs> Uh, do you think Baroya has healthcare, or is Baroya a Canadian citizen? Does he? He's been living. No, he's, he's, he's married. He's married in Canada. His his wife works on the team as okay, well. Okay, so he might he might get that via. Yeah. He might already his have health. His wife was the. Uh, well, it, well, it's this crazy thing of us that that happens in in other countries. You actually get healthcare for just being a citizen. Yeah. Well, um, I do know that, but the thing is, but that's what I'm asking if Baroya was if he was a uh, Canadian or not. Like, because I don't know if he was a citizen. Uh, he's 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 he doesn't get the nationalized healthcare because he's not. By the way, I, I do enjoy, I don't know if you guys, everyone knows the storyline, but you know, like it's Vancouver Titans is a, is a mom and pop team now. That's a, that's a family run team. You know, it's a wife and husband team. 
I'm so happy for them, you know? I love yeah. small businesses thriving. You gotta yeah. support small overwatching <laughs> franchises. This is the moment. That's true. I mean, when you think franchise. about wholesome small businesses, you yeah. think they're a giant the ownership group. And you also think like Steve might have LG. I think like LG also a very wholesome organization to be helping run that that thing. So yeah. good stuff. Is my question the Williams racing of Overwatch League? That's accurate, Joe. They, they, they used to be winning. They used to be amazing. They used to win all the time. You know, Williams, Vancouver, and now. Yeah, they used to win all the time. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Oh, that's great! Oh, that, that, no, uh, people who don't watch Formula One, they have no fucking idea what we're talking about. Anyway, <laughs> great bands, great bands. Uh, all right, let's move over to APAC. Uh, we spent a decent amount of time talking about the Western region um, already, but the the APAC region were full of amazing matches and outcomes and unpredicted stuff as well. Uh, let's just start with it. Hangzhou Spark. I said they were gonna be the best team in the APAC going into the stage. Yeah. They they actually had the worst record in the entire. <laughs> They had one w worse map differential than the Los Angeles Valiant. One in five, minus ten. Oof. I, I don't have anything to say. I just want to move on, but I figured I'd bring it up for you guys. You, can, you know, I you should talk you. about it just to... We should talk about this because, once again, I'm still salty about the comment at the beginning of the podcast. So, once again, just a reminder, there was one man champion in the spark. What? I'm going to point. That was this direction. No, the wrong no, direction. direction. Yep. Yeah. Here. There we go. Oh, no, I, <laughs> I think there's just like I think there's no I, I figured out. I think there's a problem with the graphic they just they, they there's a typo on the graphic they they mixed up Guangzhou and Hangzhou they're supposed to be the other way around no, uh, Guangzhou is the no. truth I mean here's what I'll say that that I mean the the but gotta keep Bernard in <laughs> They gotta keep yeah. Bernard. That, that was the most Changoon sub in the middle of a stage that I've ever seen. Like, they why Bernard, Bernard has been good for them the entire stage? He was good on the Junker Queen. I don't know why they thought subbing Gucci in was thing. Like, obviously they had the unfortunate situation of Alpha. You wasn't able to play. Architect came in. He was fine, but not great. And like, maybe they had some awkward practice time. But like, I, oh, if like, you talk about the players, like I think the backline really struggled. Like I think uh, Super H90 really sort of, they haven't really had great performances. Uh, their ultimate usage is a little strange, but the big person who went missing is Shy. You know, this is a Sojin Ash meta. You would think he would put on his carry pants again. Maybe we're asking too much from him, but he did, he really just did not show up uh, in this. Sojin, Sojin got nerfed. That's the copium. Yeah, yeah, To watch the response is like, well, how come every other surgeon is good? It's like, we're not going to get into that. Oh my yeah, God, what a knife that was. Uh, Krong. By yes. the way, by the way, talking about Burner, it's really funny because like, you're like, yeah, you got to keep Burner on this team. He's their tank now. He's the good guy. And it's like, last year, you would have been hung out to dry for that comment. Like last year, everyone was, everyone was hating on Burner. Now he's yeah. like, he's like the dude. But we, we saw a year of him succeeding, you know? You gotta put, you gotta put respect on his name. It, it's not a year ago anymore. Like, yeah, I think I, I said I, Bernard was like my most underrated player of the year uh, after the Mises Manas. Here's my, here's my take for you. When was the last time that Gushway played really well to the standard that we still hold him from oh, when yeah. he was back in 2019? If you guys didn't know, Costa is like the biggest Gushue hater in the DOM scene. Biggest hater. I like it sounds mean, but like I feel like Gushue is riding off of 2019 hype, and we're in 2022 now. And he's like, like obviously the metas just haven't been good for him. It's just like you know Winston isn't as better. He's still great at that hero, but other than that, I feel like he just has not problem to the level that we. I'd say Gushue is riding off of like. Did he? Correct me if I'm wrong. Right? Did Gushue participate in the 2017 World Cup? He did. He beat no. China. 
was he in the 2018? I know. 18. Or was it 2018? Yeah, 2018. Okay, damn. That ruined my whole narrative because I was about to say because I for, I couldn't remember if it was 2017 or 2018 because if it was 2017, that would continue my narrative of 2017 World Cup being the most influential event in Overwatch esports history forever. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, like that's that's very unfortunate. But I I actually do agree with Custa and that Gooshway. He's got to have like I mean this is the problem when you when you give he's probably been given a palace as per his spark contract <laughs> and he they have to redeem the amount of value they've given him when you give this man make him a local uh, like a no, uh, local no, noble essentially they made him a noble in terms of like his contract with the Overwatch League like he's he's royalty and in terms of like his his contract status within the spark so there's got to be I'm sure there's just they're trying to find ways to desperately implement him. I mean, um, he did play a decent amount of Winston. Not. It just didn't work out. Well, that's the yeah. thing. Is, here's the real story of Gushra. Here's, here's the problem. He's a, he's a Winston one trick, and I've come to terms with that now. I, was, I, I denied it for a very long time. The more I think about it, I'm like, he wasn't very good in the ball meta last year. He can't pick up the other heroes required of him this year. I mean, Bernard just covers the heroes ball way better. He, he's literally just got on Winston. He's, like, he's actually a Winston one trick. I'm convinced now. Uh, yeah. maybe he could be a two trick if there's a Ryan meta, but I, I don't think APAC doesn't play Ryan anyway, so it's like whatever. So I'm pretty sure he's just he, he, if there's a hard Winston meta, maybe he he'll play, be yeah. the guy. No, he should but be like, the guy, he's gonna win. Outside of Winston metas, it's like what, what I don't see the value anymore. I don't, he's like he's like the reverse Among, you know. Like Amon, you're saying Amon learned like multiple heroes after being a ball one trick? Um, I, so not reverse, like a parallel Amon then. They, they both yeah, that would, just be, that would just like, be an Amon, oh, but he just went to stay. Amon, known for his diversity or pool. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask you this. I'll ask you this then, because you had a conversation. I don't even know if this guy plays anymore. But who would you rather have, Gushui or Takuyaki on this team? <laughs> Fucking. I mean, that's a little unfair to talk to Gushway at that point. Like, Takuyaki like... was on the team last year. He left the departed thanks for Sparkle of the season, having barely played at all. I will he was say, the... Takuyaki, Coach I mean, Ross said he was the most talented contenders. contenders tank there was. And yet, Coach Rush benched Takuyaki a shit ton on Element Mystic. Yeah. He didn't but play that much in, in EM. Like, he, he... Takuyaki just had like one map, maybe a series. He played generally. Of all the games because of EM, Rush played Alpha, this guy Alpha, way more than Takiyaki. I don't even know yeah. where Alpha is anymore. The guy's re retired, but like. Dude, I swear, there were like some frequent players who just like, like Alpha, for example. I think there was another one as well on like Element Mystic. You'd see them and they win all the time and then they like never made it to Owl. And you're like, what happened to this guy? Like, I think, I think yeah. Guard was one. Guard was on the Lone Spitfire for like half a season and you're like, yeah. Guard's amazing. And then it's just like, what? I mean, what that's essentially there? with like. I mean, that's essentially who is the um, who am I remembering? I think he joined Mayhem at one point, but he was like a DPS player that played flex support for EM. Or am I thinking of someone else for a bit? I'm trying to remember. It was like, fuck, I can't remember his name either. But so many forgotten players, so many yeah. forgotten players up there. But I, I think we're, we're getting off the we're getting off the point. We're the point being the here, like, Fuck, anyway, Fuck. I will say this, you know, it's for the people that don't know, Spark, here's some heavy Spark copium, Johnny. Listen, um, Spark did have the travel issues earlier the stage where like the quarantine stuff right they were delayed and slow to scrims and i i, w I was on that train i was on that copium train for a long time and i think i you know I, I said to myself look no more excuses for the last game in the final game if they don't win that's just all them like there's no more excuses they've had time to scrim now if they can't beat fusion if they can't look good versus fusion then maybe they just do suck but at least for the early games i'm gonna i'm gonna chalk the early games up to like 
first of all, you're up against Shanghai Seoul. And then also, you know, you, you don't have Alfie That's what and, I thought, yeah. Yeah, but the, the longer you get into the stage, the, the less that is like a, a reasonable excuse, right? So Yeah, because they yeah. lost to Guangzhou and they lost to the Philly Fusion. Yeah. Tough. You can't go one and five in APAC where you play every team and then be like, you know, they just had a hard schedule, right? Like, oh, no. like they just lost to the good teams. Right? Like, they just didn't perform well this stage. There's just six like, other good teams. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it's interesting well, when, you actually, in East, so. when you actually reflect on it, because I had, you know, I was obviously high on the Hangzhou Spark, but at some point this stage, I had to do like a mental reframing of how much I value the Hangzhou Spark, because you can look at Mid-Season Madness how much you want, and just like, wow, Shy was amazing in that game. They still lost to the Fusion. Philly Fusion, they made it to the, se- uh, to the finals of the Kickoff Clash, and the Fusion now again qualified for the Summer Showdown. So in many ways, Hangzhou Spark so far this season it's like you know very much like the fourth or fifth best team i, don't, I think you have to say fourth yeah because they're probably better than Chengdu and their achievements right. so far but like i was like oh hangzhou spark they're like the second best team in the region for some time and i had to do like a mental re-evaluation of like how good the hangzhou spark actually is they're, they've had a worse season like, than the fusion and they're probably like firmly the fourth best team in the region they're like two sides of the same coin because how close are hangzhou spark to just being the fusion anyway like both teams yeah, but they've lost to the Fusion now many times. They lost to them in the midst of Madness. They lost to them in the kickoff clash twice, I think. So, I think the record is not is pretty close. But my point is, it's like both teams, both teams sucked at the start of the stage. They both dropped a shitload of games, and then Fusion recovered and sparked it, and that's just that's how it ended up being. So you know, and Fusion does this weird thing as well, where like you know they this is the second time now where I feel like they had a rough start and they recovered. Midseason Madness the same thing. Last week in midseason Madness, they just randomly come up, beat Soul, M3 is the most god-tier performance in the world. It's like, what, what the hell was this? Where the hell was this the whole season? And just Spark doesn't do stuff like that. Spark doesn't clutch out like that, I guess. Yeah, do you quickly want to talk about the Fusion and their performance this past week? Um, I didn't have it planned, but I, I, I do I have to say that I, I watched that series against the Soul Dynasty, and I was like massively impressed by the Fusion's play. Uh, that was the first time this stage where I see them actually like play really good in this meta and just like the way they're positioned um i i i think in general when i rewatch these vods of the apac teams playing i think they display uh, an amazing amount of discipline and like respect for their opponent there's something that chingdu hunters did i noticed as well when i watched their vods that like they where there would be opportunities for genjis to dash in and engage and try to get that finishing blow that we see them do off the back of ash sojourn etc chengdu and jinmu would actually display a lot of discipline when it comes to making that initial engage and i think fusion replicated that for the first time this stage this past week when they played soul displayed a lot of discipline and if fitz was playing the ash instead they would find ways to like work around the map to find engages where fitz wouldn't necessarily find the first picks to engage the fight so the fusion they end up qualifying after beating the Hangzhou Spark, um, and they went to map 5 against the Seoul Dynasty, Chengdu Hunters. It's very much their own fault, Chengdu didn't qualify because it wasn't in their own hands. But just talking about the Philadelphia Fusion, um, h- how do we rate them going into the Summer Showdown? Do we think they're like the fourth team by far, or do we actually think they have a chance here against the likes of Seoul going to 5 and Shanghai Dragons? Custer, you're muted. Depends, depends if you put them above or below the, the charge, right? Now we we'll get to find out where Custer puts them above well, or below the charge. Well, I think it's really telling that the Shanghai Dragons chose Guangzhou. Guangzhou went 4-2. and two. They look to be one of the better teams. They're performing well, yet they're still afraid of the Philadelphia Fusion, even though they've had a pretty tragic stage qualifying at 2-4. and four. Um, But here's the thing. like They have that potential. They're playing MN3 full-time at this point. They look like they've worked out the meta. At this point, 
Philly could do anything. Like Philly could come up and they could just be as good Philly as could anything. Do anything. Like, Philly could do anything. They could Just show up. average fusion fan. They could show up. Like literally, I had this one guy who tweets at me after every Philadelphia fusion. Uh, sorry, DMs me on Twitter after everything of just like the emotional roller coaster of Philadelphia fusion. Well, don't worry, Philadelphia fusion fans. I'm here for your hopium and copium. They could beat Shanghai. If they show up and they play their fucking darndest, if you tell me one, Z- one Genji player who could go mechanically toe-to-toe with uh, who are you, it's Stalker and Zest on a good fucking day. So it comes down to, are the Philadelphia Fusion having a good day? They had a great midseason tournament. I could absolutely see them just being like, hey, guess what? We don't suck anymore uh, and just end up being good. With that said, they could also just be shit. So, you know, good luck, Philadelphia Fusion fans. Have fun. Hmm. I'm predicting after the most fusion way to qualify for this event, they will go the most fusion route possible and get second in this upcoming event too. And I think that would be truly glorious um, for them. So who, I misses think, out? who misses out between Seoul and Shanghai? Or second? Uh, I mean, looking at how Seoul's been kind of dropping the spaghetti, it was <laughs> logically, it's probably Seoul. However, I refuse to let go of my sole belief. I'm going to do what Johnny did with the spark. I'm going to ride it into the ground until it's worthless. So like I'm letting, <laughs> I'm letting soul ride. And I think soul will still, I'm, I'm still betting on soul to win the event, even though dragons kind of look fucking McNasty. So, so I think it's going to be a dynasty fusion grand finals and APAC. Wait, dynasty wins. Sorry. I, you just said what happened to Shanghai. They look nasty. They look McNasty. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, they look really good. What did you they think he incredible. said? I thought, I, he just, I thought he just said Seoul and Philly are going to be there in the grand finals. And I was like, what happened to Shanghai? Oh, what happened to Shanghai? Oh, no. I'm, well, the thing is, this is just based off my belief of like, so Fusion barely qualified for the event, the most Fusion way possible, just because Charge suddenly learns to, like, they've relearned everything. They've picked up Jimmy and, and Prita and shit, and they're just like, and then Fusion somehow scrapes it in. And then I'm like, okay, well, you know, really cap it off. Fusion gets second in APAC again. And, you know, that would just really cap it off. But if Jimmy says anything about it. Oh, do you, do you, do you want to spend some, you want to spend a few minutes talking about your beloved Guangzhou charge? Me, uh, I'll, feel, I'll say, uh, say fusion quick, fusion. yeah, bro. Before we move to Guangzhou. Yeah, sorry. Uh, is that I actually think it's super based that uh, Shanghai chose Guangzhou because like Fusion's <laughs> peaks are so much higher. Like yeah. the reality situation is Fusion, Fusion peaks higher and I was going to say they peak lower than Charge, which is not true because uh, Charge was uh, doing pretty bad earlier. So I'll refrain from that. But like, yeah, Fusion's peaks are like, they, they are good enough that they maybe, to your point, Johnny, maybe they could win. Maybe they could come first. This is the part where I seed in the hoping for the Fusion fans. Like, oh, we could come first. Um, but uh, realistically, no, you won't come. Realistically, you won't come first. But the peak performance of Fusion is like, I could see it. I could see them like being that team. It's just... They are wildly inconsistent. They, for some reason, they're like, to me, they're like a hunters that have done better. They're like a more well-oiled hunters. There's a lot of reflection of the Chengdu hunters in this team in the sense that, like, any result is possible. And that's a scary place to be for Fusion. All right. There we go. Philadelphia Fusion. Oh, my God. We just gave their, we just gave their fans so much opium. This is, uh, this yeah, is dangerous. I like to do that and then Leave feed off the depression later. I mean, honestly, the fusion hopium is the greatest gift there is. It's it keeps so giving no matter what. <laughs> did you see? Did you see? I, I think it was BP's uh, video of like the fusion fans celebrating at two and four. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It is so good. 
All right, they still have a chance. We'll, we'll see the, how the roller coaster ends for the Fusion fans this summer show on stage. Uh, let's quickly talk about our last topic before we head into uh, our bracket and make our own bracket here. Uh, going to our charge, they qualify for the tournament, of course. Costa's been high on Jimmy for you know the past couple of months here. Stoked to see his boy qualify for the tournament. And Chengdu Hunters, they lose to the LA Valiant and the Guangzhou Charge this past weekend to not qualify for the Summer Showdown. So I, I want to bake these two teams together here and we can talk about them briefly. They played each other, of course. Um, we, we, let's start with the, with, with, the, uh, with the amazing achievement of the Guangzhou Charge, the, the mini Chengdu, if you will, with Jimmy, uh, Iveltal and Faraway <laughs> and Aprida on the bench uh, qualifying. Uh, Kasta, how proud of you, uh, are you of Jimmy? Scale of 1 to 10. I'm here to tell you guys about our Lord and Savior, Jimmy. You know, Jimmy has been overlooked, underappreciated for the longest time. And I'm here to tell you guys that Jimmy is the truth. He is the one and the only. And he, he, he has just shown up and performed at a level that nobody could have ever expected. And you know why? It's because he's the GOAT, okay? We have all these great hit scans that we talk about over the years. We have Carpe on the Philadelphia Fusion. Nothing. <laughs> To your boy Jimmy. We have Easy Han, you know, obviously a great hit scan. Jimmy put him in the ground. We got Shy. He was an MVP candidate on the Sojin, and all of a sudden Jimmy just comes in and just dominates him. Okay? We even have fucking Carpe. People say Carpe's fucking great. He's, Carpe no, twice. he's nothing. Yeah, Carpe twice. That's how good we talk about Carpe. And then Leave? Leave is, you know, like the MVP of last year, and Jimmy came in and just fucking dunked on him. It's not even close at this point how good Jimmy is, and he's gone. going to send us to the promised land, okay? Guangzhou Charge, <laughs> your time is now. We hype up a Pritta as this god tier hitscan who was supposed to save the Chengdu Hunters. No, 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 no. He got benched by the truth, and that is Jimmy. Jimmy is going to come in and put an exclamation mark. The only two people he has left on his list, Lip and Fitz. He let them win the first two rounds, you know? He wanted to make it more exciting in the playoffs to be able to diff those guys when it really mattered. So, keep your eyes on them. I don't care who else is on the Guangzhou charge. Jimmy is the truth. Hang on, hang on. Bart, you have to say the line, Bart. Say the line. You have to say the, you have to say the, the Jimmy fucked. No, no, no. You, <coughs> has to be from Custom. Doesn't count. Jimmy oh, fucks. All day, every day, everybody. Is that a fire alarm? <laughs> no, that's just me singing. Oh, right. Uh, I was like, did Johnny leave for a very important reason? Yeah, just the fire alarm went off. <laughs> yeah, have you seen the copy pasta, by the way, of you on Reddit at this point, I'm assuming, Scott? Of, like, is that, the, is that the one where I wake up? And like, the one where you wake up, you bolt <laughs> oh, up right, and then it's that's like he one. just there is like, is like his, is like Custis fiance asked, what's wrong, sweetie? You're like, he just stares at the wall. Jimmy fucked. Like, you know, it's like, the comic pasta is like very, very funny. I, I mean, overall, here's why I'm actually, I do agree. Jimmy is a pounder of the highest degree. You know what I'm really happy about? A, I've always thought uh, Evil Tool, aka, what is it? Zer, uh, Xerneas now? Yeah, yeah. yeah Xerneas yeah. now. Very good player, despite um, some attitude issues, you know, potentially um, in previous like iterations of his play. But like, I'm glad. And Krong, what a redemption arc from Krong. Yeah, we have uh, waited so well. long for this Krong redemption arc. Like, two years. Two years. Like, holy shit. Like, I'm just like, when Krong first debuted, everyone was like, Krong is a god. And then essentially, Krong, Krong did like the Houston Outlaws stage one season one, 
where he was good once <laughs> and did nothing for the next like two years and then now he's back on junker queen and i was like holy shit like what a what a redemption arc here from this guy huh like it does go to show you though like it's something that's rather interesting and it's kind of in a way i don't know if charge do this because they like just truly believe in the player or if it's like for other like reasons and stuff right but like it's rather interesting for some teams that they've kept these players on the roster so long comparatively to like those teams that have like crazy like budgets or just like really high turnovers. So they have low budgets where they're willing to like commit to players for like two years or so. Because you can actually see that like, oh, like the player has value. It's just the question is like, how will how long are you willing to hold on to them? Because I think comparatively to a lot of traditional sports, like you'll see players get held on to rosters for a long time or like stay in the league. A long time because they're getting traded back and forth while we dump players so fast so to me it's just interesting because like most people would have said Kronk should have been gone ages ago and now he's actually having like a great fantastic performance they're not fantastic but i would say very good performance for the charge i mean I, I i will say like Krong is like the manifestation of like why are you giving me your toughest battles god meme because <laughs> yeah. th this man played alongside rio for two years um and i i'd happily say that rio he, he was but not a real pop in the no. first year he played in the league he was good he, and then after it, that it wasn't he he was he was bot scratch in 2021 um and <laughs> I'm, I'm, pr I'm pretty sure he's happy to not play alongside him but even then then after that it was like all right krong we're going to invest some resources in you the people who are going to invest resources in you is a backline of mandu and karib that's your backline they didn't, didn't really go over that well. And then 2022, all right. Oh, you disrespect Kariv. <clears throat> Did we talk about the fact Do, that he stepped down from the mayhem? Uh, no, we didn't. Uh, let, let's, yeah. Hold on, hold on. I'm a cooking. I'm cooking here. <laughs> 2020, 2022, all right. It's a solo tank meta, five versus five. You no longer have to play with Rio. He's off the team. Your backline, it's going to be unique. And fuck, what was the flex support name? Awe. Far, no, far away. Did he, did he play in the entire time? Did they play Molly at the start of the season? Molly was benched for far away immediately. Oh, really? Didn't get any yeah, game Molly time. was hard benched. For, All right. Uh, well, my, my round kind of falls apart, but still. Just pretend, we'll just pretend <laughs> it's Molly. Just say it's Molly. Yeah, we'll just yeah, yeah, yeah. Molly, Molly. We, we made a bunch of Molly jokes going into the season. Uh, we, we, all, we, all, we all loved Molly. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that Gronk... Gronk... <laughs> Krong has been under the right circumstances. <laughs> Holy fuck, it's all falling apart. Uh, it's all coming together, hosting, producing, and analyzing at the same time. I don't think Krong has had the best circumstances to play the game. It's what, essentially what I'm trying to say, and failing to do so. I think Krong has been in a very difficult position uh, by like his teammates and so, so on. But I think finally, this is now a roster where you're like, holy shit, Krong might actually be able to cook because he has a solid backline of Ivelta and Faraway now. Choice One has been one of the most outstanding players since like 2020. I've been, I've been high on Choice One his entire time in the Overwatch League. Like I, th since he came in, his Tracer last year was good. And now being able to play Genji in this meta, awesome stuff. And then Jimmy, I mean, playing better than Aprita, that's an achievement, accomplishment in and of itself. And just speaks to how well Jimmy's been playing. So this is finally a roster that Krong can perform in. So as much as I'd like to say that like, yeah, Krong has, you know, maybe not been as good the last couple of years. I do feel like the circumstances for him to perform has been absolutely awful. And finally, he's allowed to like flourish in this role. So that's what I'm trying to say in a very unfunny Tony, I way. I agree. The circumstances have been awful for Krong. You know, we, we just haven't had any Sigma meters. 
That too. <laughs> so yeah, I've been I've been waiting I've been waiting years. Did we play some Sigma Steve. early on this year? Yeah, my joke is I think my joke is I think he's a Sigma one trick. So I've been yeah. waiting years. Well, Soria, his Soria was good last year. I remember looking at Soria stats and I was like, holy shit, this guy's a nutcase on Soria too. So. I don't know. Maybe it's just too You're pulling my joke apart with facts, okay? I don't like that. <laughs> Look, we're, we are a very unfunny podcast these days. You know, the past five minutes have been torture for the audio listeners. Um, but yeah, <sighs> there you go. The launcher charge. Did you guys talk about Chain yeah. of Hunters or anything when um, I was away? Or? We're going to include it. I'll, I'll, I'll drop my take on the charge. And by the way, and this is, this is you want to talk about the Hunters as well. Half of the charge is Hunters anyway. Like, a charge is like a really interesting team. Like, they, they like they're really good at just picking up kind of like, I don't, I don't want to, I wouldn't say off cuts, but like they're really good at picking up the bits and pieces and scavenging them together. Like Tony Stark in the cave and Iron Man 1 from all these other teams. You know, we got, we got Molly and Develop from Shanghai. Like, oh, you guys want some rings, get you on the team. Got the Chengdu guys coming on the team. They're just, bits, just a bit of smorgasbord of APAC and just taking bits and pieces. And now looks like it's finally working. You know, they, they won the Chengdu Civil War, that little Chengdu inside scrim, you know? Um, and the craziest thing is they only changed two members because Krong, Choicer One, and Farway were there the whole year. So they only swapped out Develop and Unique and suddenly like this. And the coaching staff is exactly the same as well. Well, Develop and so, Unique were a big problem. Like they like Develop just really did not perform well and Unique as well on the Lucio. Like they, like I was actually pretty high on both those guys because they... They theoretically, you know, have pretty good careers from contenders transitioning into the league, um, but they just could not string it together in the league. And I think, like, as I said, Uzonius is a great signing. He's always been good for the Chengdu Hunters. I think he was toe-to-toe with Nisha and Jimmy's redemption arc um, on top of that as well. Yeah. So, kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to see it. It's just like, but, you know, two players... Uh, Seems like a, a, a major upturn for, for what is only two players kind of turning it around for the team. But at the same time, as like, you know, we kind of threw in the the joke quote a little bit earlier, but I think this applies to Choice One in a big way. It's like, you know, God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. I'm like, that strongest soldier is fucking Choice A1. It yeah. really is. Because I think Choice A1 is good enough that he could be a starter on like a lot of other teams. I agree. Like, yeah. He is that good. He is fucking phenomenal. But He's like, one he of those. Just, his back must have been breaking for two years in a row now it, 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 the question is like how would he perform like imagine if he was in a role where like you know he was in profits role or he was in Fletter's role right like he's like a flex dps player who had an incredible team around him like what would his peak really be like that'd be a really cool thing to see uh yeah. as you know if the guangzhou well, the, rebuilds the into something like that the fact that he's going nutty mode with like subpar teams for two years is like unreal it's unreal how good he's looked even though his teams have not been good right but that speaks volumes to his quality, in my opinion. Yeah. Johnny is in, in fucking crisis mode. Right Johnny's now. putting out fires. Johnny's in fire extinguishing. Yeah, Johnny, Johnny's the hero. Keep talking. Keep talking. Keep talking. We need a new topic, Johnny. Okay, Chengdu Hunters. No, they don't qualify. They don't qualify. They're not in the team. Hunters fuck this team. That's that's the headline here. Chengdu Hunters fuck this team. I'm this is actually I, when I woke up because I've been following them their career with great interest, you know, like I've been following their career with great interest, and then I I woke up, I was like, I'm still feeling pretty confident that there's no way they will lose to the Valiant, and they lost to the Valiant, and I was like, I can't, and and then I went to watch the match, and I'm like, this 
is some turbo ass gameplay i have just witnessed like this is i, I it's simply mind-boggling how and, and uh, this is goes when we talk about coaching by the way you want to talk about one of like the most i, I don't even understand like the team that is most diametrically opposed to like structure and coaching in like the league it feels is chengdu hunters and without ray chengdu hunters without ray is just like the, I, it's simply like it's like finding a bunch of feral children in the woods and you have to reintegrate them into society <laughs> like i i can't believe how poorly structured this team is and how they haven't like and the crazy part is, is like they still have such individually good players at points but also their management fucked them because they don't have like a hit scan too well they have leave i guess but they didn't have a predo they could have been running for parts of the year but like i, I don't know like this I'm done with this team, man. I'm, I I was giving them like a break for Portsmouth, but I'm after the Valiant loss. I'm like, no, I've had enough of them. It's, I've had enough of this squad. It's kind of shocking how they have a player of the caliber of leave and they just like, you know, and they had such a good thing going for them last year into like whatever this is this year. Like obviously metas haven't been ideal, but that's what happens when you have a player like Jinmu who feels like he, he does pigeonhole their like strategies a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of the same point of us, especially at least this year. Like I'm at the point where I'm like, well, you know, they're just kind of like, it doesn't feel like they're ever going to overachieve. Like we always question of like, maybe this roster will yeah. bring it together. We're in the third stage by now. There's no, they're, uh, I don't, they're probably going to at least get an attempt at play-ins at the end of the season. Maybe they'll string it together there, but I just don't have confidence because of what Avas said. It just feels like I mean, more you- of the flies out there. You said the Valiant game of us. I'm thinking the Guangzhou game. Not to talk low about the Guangzhou charge. Sure, I fair mean, enough. The Guangzhou game remember, too, yeah. You still have to remember the Guangzhou like two stages for in a row. Only won a grand total one match. But here it's like, I mean, that game, the especially damning part was like seeing the ex-Chengdu members and how good they ended up being versus the actual Chengdu team. You know, you look at you look at Yavaltu and Farway and like these two guys literally were two... St- Potential. Well, I mean, I don't know if I could call them starters because the four supports all got play time. But you know, they, you, I'll just say for the example, yeah, let's call them starters. They they basically started on the the Chengdu Hunters last year. They ended up getting culled because of the uh, budget cuts for the team, and now like they come in and they just beat their old team, and it's just like incredible to see. You know, Jimmy's beating Leave as well. And I think the other thing about Ray is like, and this is where like Ray must he has to be one of the most influential coaches we've ever had in the league because every time he's in the team. Not only do Chengdu Hunters look way better, but Leave looks better as well. Like his, it seems like his fate is almost attached to Ray, in, in a weird kind of way. Um, yeah, I know the role swap hasn't been amazing this year, but I, I still probably expected more out of his hit scan, given that like he can still play hit scan. He still has great moments of brilliance, but the consistency of him and the team together is just like just completely out of whack. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand because this team, I, I very confidently even said. Now this is embarrassing, but I confidently said early on that the Chengdu were the third best team in this meta in APAC. And I was like, I was pretty firm on that. But then they then they just shit the bed in the last week or the last two weeks. I'm like, what what is going on? Like, like they they look good, they look comfortable, they look strong in this meta. Like you, you know, like they just fell apart. Like it actually makes no sense at all. Yeah, sounds great, guys. I have no idea what you guys are just talking about. Uh, you guys don't want to take it after us. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's actually get to making our bracket. We've been on for about two hours now. It's been a you know long, great episode so far. So we gotta we gotta get through this bracket real quick. Uh, I don't think we have to overthink it by any means. But Costa, you you look like you're uh, 
You look like you don't have faith in us wrapping this up quickly, but I promise you, we'll speed well, I was questioning, I was questioning if we we're going to get a break, because I was like, oh, I should make another coffee. But yeah, you guys want to take a break? I don't no, know no, how no, to go to break. If we, if, if we can just run through it, let's, let's crush yeah, it. Yeah, we can get through it. I let's mean, because I, I have to get, I have to do a lot of shit. I have to pack for Toronto still. I have to do so much shit done. Like, I got a lot of stuff done, because I, I know the desk are going, oh, get owned, idiots. So, <laughs> Fuck you. Get owned. <laughs> All right, mm. let's uh, let, let's just speed run this one through uh, because usually we talk and we argue and stuff like that, but we can be adults too. All right, we don't have to do that. So let's kick things off with the Eastern bracket. All right, there's one, two, three, four, five, six matches here, so we should realistically be able to do this in six minutes, one minute per match. Okay, right. that might let's be a go bit fast. Guangzhou, Guangzhou, three two Shanghai Dragons. We all agree. Three two. <laughs> I do no, not agree with that. I don't agree. So this with one's that. this one's a three zero Shanghai. No, okay. Let's give Jimmy a map. I mean, Guangzhou a map. <laughs> I don't... So here's the thing. People were arguing with me when I did my participant rankings going into this. The reality of the situation with Apex still, even though Fusion did have a close match for the Dynasty, is that for the mo majority of the stage, Dynasty and Dragons have been dicking down the rest of Apex for the whole of this stage, for the most part. So I still cannot believe, I still don't have much faith in like a team coming in and making it too close against these teams right off the bat, you know? Even though Fusion did have a recently close game versus like Dynasty, right? So it's like, I I'm willing to give it like a Dragons 3-0, honestly. Hey, no, hey, hey. One, give him a... What, is, what does Johnny think? Johnny, come on, be reasonable. Be the voice of reason. I think this is one of those metas where if you're one level above your opponent, you're just going to fucking slack your opponents. And I think the Shanghai Dragons right now are world-class. And while Guangzhou Charge are great, I don't know if they can hold a candle. Like, I don't see them coming into a map and be like, yeah, Jimmy's on form, Choice One's popping off, we're gonna take down Lip and who are you? Like, uh, I, I have a hard but time. For one map, you know, they could do it. Jimmy could fuck for one map, you know? Jimmy is gonna, is, is just gonna dominate Lip for one map. You for can't the Jimmy it. lovers. I'll give them one God, for the I, Jimmy lovers. I, I, yes. I, I'm convinced that Jimmy could fuck for all three maps and it would still be zero and three. No, hey, don't be ridiculous, because, okay? Because his level, his level of fucking is not gonna be enough to take down Lip, who are you? Jimmy is a professional fucker, okay? If he fucks, it's over. Don't worry about that. What's his day rate for fucking? It's it's, it's whatever the Guangzhou charge Jesus is paying. Jesus Christ. This is so good. <laughs> This is, yeah, this turned real. I, I, I think, as a, as a producer, I, I, I'm asking the producer, hey, hey producer, who, who, what do you think? You're the tie here. Uh, yeah, sorry, it's 3 1. Sorry, guys. Ah, uh, uh, nice. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> we were 2 and 2, we were split, and then the producer chimed in. Uh, Philadelphia Fusion, I guess, the Soul Dynasty. This one could be a little bit closer. They, they went to 5 this past week. Should I do it? Should I pred Philly? No, you can't pred Philly. I think you can say, I think this is just a classic map five. Can I pred Philly? This, I have a, I I have a feeling that this, this could be another map five banger. Yes, I could have a feeling, but I actually, but the problem is my soul hope's too high. I want to give it a 3-1 for soul, not a 3-2. Uh, but I think this is the map five banger. Though. Why am I so tempted to do 3-2 Philly? Why am I so tempted? It would be the most funny. soul dynasty and Philadelphia funny. fusion thing ever. It, that's the thing. It like it's perfect for both teams. It is yeah. literally perfect right. for both teams. Here's what I'll say. Oh my god! Fusion started that series strong against the Soul Dynasty, and 
essentially my analysis was that when Fitz was playing the Ash, Fusion had their number and they just completely dominated them. But as the series progressed on Colosseo, for example, um, and the final map as well, like Soul, Soul just completely diffed the Fusion once Fitz was back on the Sojourn. And I don't think Soul are going to run it back on the Ash necessarily. It's going to be interesting to see if Fusion play Ash themselves because it did play Ash against the Hydro Spark in the following series. Maybe this map dependent. But... I do think I don't think Soul is going to come out with the Ash again against Fusion, and I think I, I'd probably say three-one. My opinion. All right. All right. Any any counter arguments? No, no, no more Fusion Hopium. Th that's Sounds the voice of reason. You're the voice of reason here. Yeah, that, yeah. That's the first like time that. someone has ever said that to me, Custo. <laughs> so I appreciate that. I want to I want to go crazy and go Fusion, but you know we'll stick to Soul. I'm, we'll do that. All right. Uh, Shanghai Dragons against the Seoul Dynasty in the first upper bracket matches. Shanghai obviously 3-0 the Seoul Dynasty previously. 3-1 Dragons for me. I'm, and so here... <laughs> here comes the evidence. Here he comes. I don't have evidence. I don't have recent match results. I just have the belief in the Seoul Dynasty that they will win the match. That's it. But I have no evidence to support that, so if people are going to go for Dragons, fair enough. But let it you be known that I'm believing in Seoul. Connor, you are every Philly fan printing for Philly, like just except for Soul. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the difference is, is the difference is for Dynasty, they've at least had a good, like an incredibly good stage. Actually, know? true. You know what? True. Like the thing is, I just liked because I believed in Dynasty the last event too, at mid and they shit the fucking bed at mid season. Right. I was like, God damn it. So, but I believe now this will be the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you just said I'm not learning from my lessons at all this nope, time. <laughs> not learning. Well, the thing is, but I, I but the thing is, there's reason for me not to learn because they came and they still dominated the stage. Yeah. So there's still reason for yeah. me not to learn. I just get worried because you know, like the, the 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 bad omens were there last stage. You know, Seoul yeah. they lose to Philly in the last week. It's like, oh, it's going to be tricky. And maybe it's a fluke. Maybe it's a one off. And then they just start like losing in mid season. Like, what is going on? So you know, like I'm getting those like Seoul heading into tournament losing jitters now. But um, I don't know, man. Shanghai just looked too good. Shanghai just like I agree, unbelievably fucking good right now. Like it's crazy. One map for Seoul. I, here's the thing. I think it's either going to go to five or it's going to be a three zero. I don't think. I think three one is the least unlike the least likely threat. So I'm good for three two or three zero. Avast obviously wants as many maps as possible for his beloved soul. Yes, exactly. Avril. You know where I stand on this. I'll give, I'll give one. I'm happy for one. Okay, so I think we'll lean 3-2. It's a tournament. Okay. Nothing is predictable. We can't just default okay, to the okay, most logical okay, things. Okay. I think 3-2. Why not? So a Prophet is going to show up on the brig. Somehow. Uh, yes, lower bracket. Guangzhou Ooh. charge against the Philadelphia Fusion. Should, should, should Custer start? <laughs> Costa's looking spicy. We'll get him to start. <laughs> 3 0 Guangzhou charge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, man. You know what's crazy? It's like that could actually happen. Philly, Philly, this feels like one of those stages where, like, Philly just. As, I feel like we're giving too much weight to playoff Philly. You know what I mean? Like, playoff Philly? Yeah, they don't all like, yeah, they always come second. That's the meme, and they always seem to perform. But, but like, I don't think they're going to show that. They went 
two and four remember like yes they look better in their most recent matches but i think it's like realistically i think it's hard to pred the philadelphia fusion above the Guangzhou charge unless you're literally just putting weight on previous performances of like they step up in the playoffs um so like maybe you can use that as an example and you can say that but like i think Guangzhou is going to win i think they'll give them one map i think it's like realistically i think it's three one to the Guangzhou charge that's what i would go for and it's the most likely outcome um but there's these both these teams are so unpredictable that's your, that's your real no meme yeah no meme actual. i think yeah my actual analysis i think actually Guangzhou charges favored Ooh. uh regardless of the jimmy hopium uh i think as i said i i talked earlier about the height height of uh philadelphia fusion and how they can just hit this crazy peak but i'm not going to gamble on that and i think i think yeah i i just don't believe it i have I a think... hard time sorry you go I on a... you go on a i just have a hard time believing in fusion if they keep him in three and losing to the charge they, they just i know i know that's a thing but like surely fusion and also at the end of the day here's at the end of the day i think no matter what from when it comes to APAC, I and also many times in many of these tournaments, I just let the narrative guide me. I just jump into <laughs> the narrative and let it guide me. So I'm gonna say Fusion wins like three two because Fusion needs to make it to the finals to get second. So there's to. no way they make it to the finals. No, I don't think they're gonna make it to the finals, but I think they beat the charge. So I'm saying uh, I'm saying Fusion three two. I think the Fusion looked really good this past week. I'm I'm leaning the Fusion as well. Avril, I need you here, man. Uh, come on. This is the thing. Yeah, like, you, you, I, you're with me. You believe in it. I, the truth. <sighs> the fucking. I, I don't know if I, I'm. I look at fusion. I agree with Johnny, but I also don't want to get baited by the fusion. They're baiting everybody. They are baiting. The fusion are baiting really hard. So this is this is the outcome that I think is going to happen. You, Connor, you talk about narratives. Here's a, here's a great narrative for you. Uh, actually, instead of fusion going to the finals, they're going to disappoint in second. I'm just sure. going to disappoint them early by having them lose the charge, but oh. they're, going to do it. they're going to lose the charge in the most tragic way possible. Fusion going to be up 2-0, and then charge will reverse sweep them. Yes! Oh. I hope oh. that happens. I'm in 3-2 charge. I mean, also, that would still require them to lose in map 5 as well. So that is an extra oomph of Fusion. So... I mean, I Alex... If that's where we're gonna go, I don't know. What do you think? I, I, th I, th I think I, I think it's wrong. I actually think Fusion are favored like 65-35 in this series. I'm higher on the Fusion I, I than, than like most. Fusion. Just because they beat, just because they went to five with Sol and and be. They looked good. Like I'm not. I mean, I feel like that's fair. You're yeah. you're you're saying that you you you're, you're like neglecting to believe in their performance. You're just like, oh, they looked really good this past week, but I'm gonna choose not to believe in their peaks. That's because I've watched Philadelphia Fusion for the last like four years of my life, and they will never stop disappointing me and the fans. And this is like oh, like they disappointed when they beat Tang Zhou in the midseason madness. Like they disappointed when they went to the finals in the King of Clash. They're not the same like, team. I was disappointed. This They're is literally a the same roster. This is a two and four Philadelphia Fusion, not the fucking Philly that came. Like we last year, stage in the midseason madness, we were like Philly could go far. We knew that they had a good roster. They understood what the fuck they were doing. They like yeah, they had one good weekend, and you can use that and ride off of that copium into the sunset. But this is the classic Philadelphia fusion bait, as we always say. And you're, you're like, Guangzhou Charge, it's like you guys are throwing out everything else that they've done throughout this entire stage and we're using their previous performances against them. They're four and two. They'd I got a better one. They fusion are up 2-0 and then they sub Carpe in for the next three maps and they lose. 
That's so disgusting. Carpe, I'm going with the if charge. they sub in Carpe, I, I'm gonna get my pitchfork with the rest of the fusion fans. I'm just uh, trying to like, disgusting. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to think narratively. Like, what would be the most like uptick of hopium or the most tragic downfall possible for the fans? Yeah, because you know, I'm like a, I'm like a fan depression vampire. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm going for the maximum harvest right now. I just think that like with the recent end of stage hopium from fusion barely qualifying they have that energy of like we're about the we, we can do what gladiators did not we made it when gladiators could unlike gladiators we made it despite our terrible stage and we're gonna pop on through we're gonna get it to finals then we're gonna lose and i'm like that's that's the fusion i know all right going to charge three two Man, I'll take it. Feel, it feels enough. wrong. Right, it feels sure. wrong, but it feels sure. wrong. I agree with you. I'd but like to predict so the fusion. Right. But... Well, let's predict the fusion. Hey, if you guys don't no. let me sway you, no, <laughs> I, I think this is how the stage is meant to be played. All right. Analysis aside, I, I, I think this is how the script looks. I've been part of a few stages, and it just feels like the Guantanamo Charge is going to beat Fusion in Map Five this time around. My intuition. Guantar Charge against the Soul Dynasty in the lower bracket. 3-0. 3-0 now? Oh, is it 3-0 now, eh? <laughs> to the charge. <laughs> no, I, 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 I genuinely believe that Soul Dynasty is going to 3-0 Guangzhou Charge. I think Soul is going to be What the fuck are you basing this on? I think Guangzhou you Charge, like Jimmy's, like, Jimmy's going to be like, my job here is done, and then he's just going to leave, and he's just going to not do anything in this You know what? Uh, if, if I can test the goal for 3-0 for Dynasty, I'll take it. Sure. Oh, I'll throw my weight behind that. <laughs> Avril, three-one dynasty. I think. I think if Charge is good enough to get here, then it can make it competitive. But I think Dynasty are the better team. Three. Yeah, I'm thinking three-one. I don't. I don't. Three-one sounds logical, but three-zero would be good bands. It would it would be it would be funny. Guantar Charge is like we ruined the hopes of Fusion fans. <laughs> now we out. That's how the Spark fans felt in this season. Oh yeah, I, I very much know. It was brutal. Uh, I think we're going with Soul 3-0 here. I, I've asked this on the same page. Costa mentioned it already. I'm on board as well. Everyone said 3-1, but 3-0 seems to be the okay. The, the pervasive scoreline. So we got a rematch of Shanghai Seoul in the finals. This time, first to four. All the way? Seven maps? I have, I have no fucking clue. This, it, no. Literally anyone who says, if we get to the grand finals and it's Shanghai versus Seoul, no one has any idea what, what's going to happen. I don't think this one goes seven. This one does not go seven. I have a this hard time. I, I, it feels... It feels odd to just be like, oh, Soul Dynasty, they're going to be better. Over the course of seven maps, like, Stalker will be better than, like, Who Are You? Or, like, mm -hmm. the backline of Leeds Agon and Isayaki will, like, be outplayed. It feels wrong. So in that regard, I, th I think Shanghai probably is favored, like, any way you, you see it. I would say, I'm going to say 4-1 Shanghai. I think Shanghai is going to come out and just sort of show their experience. And I think they are the better team in this meta. I agree with Johnny. I just can't see Soul coming out with that level of firepower. No, I'm leaning 4-2, I, I think. 4-2, Shanghai. My gut feeling says 5 maps. My gut feeling says a 4-1. I think they- I think Soul are good enough to go 4-2, but... Avast, we need some Soul Hopium in here, come on. I mean, 
Here's the thing you guys are forgetting. You're going to make some crucial aspects. Okay, here we go. Crucial aspects. First of all, first of all, the profit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Secondly, Smurf, Giga Chad. And thirdly, he's been overlooked a lot. Been overlooked a lot, but he's an actual Giga banger of a player. Fitz is, I feel like Fitz is about to lay it out on the table. True. I think Fitz is about, Fitz, Obviously, everyone's talked about how he's like, oh, he's underrated. He's really good, blah, blah, blah. I just have a, I, I, the thing here is that, once again, there's no actual hard-hitting analysis. Everything points towards, like, there's real no clear way to call it other than Dynasty maybe having some close matches recently, but it's against, like, an upcoming fusion. It's just, it's simply, it's simply me wanting to get a soul win after prepping for them so hard in Missy's Madness. That's all it is. Honestly, I'm, a, I'm in a sunk cost fallacy currently. Yeah. I'm going to sunk cost fallacy for the soul dynasty where like they're good and I pray for them to be good and they shat the bed and I'm just stuck in there. Soul have a win. Soul got a win already. I think they've done fine. Yeah. You know, it's well, don't get me wrong. Soul have been great. Soul have been great still. I just saying like I'm stuck in the sunk cost fallacy from midseason madness here. Midseason madness is what I'm trying to recover my losses from. Right, right. So I'm, I'm just going into it because I think I like this roster. I like everything they've done with it. I love seeing Smurf be like the fo- like really do the solo tank. I granted though he's had some moments here and there, like but do the solo tank. I think mostly right for the solo dynasty. Um, and I'm just I just love the, the the build of the roster currently. I also honestly think for this stage at least now, uh, because correct me if I'm am I remembering this properly? And their latest, let me check something here. But yeah, overall, I mean, that's irrelevant because overall, I like the roster. I like this roster. And as they get, as they're going to get Iris more and more integrated, I think moving on past this point, I'm also just more in love with Soul. It doesn't matter for this probably upcoming yeah. event, but I'm just, uh, I just like you, the roster. You mentioned profit. So let me, let me just bring forth a bit of a prophecy here. Let me just move out of the way so people can see. And I'll, uh, I'll explain this to the audio listeners in a second, but just, uh, just look at this for a second. Damn. He already has a graphic made. Damn, oh, that's, that's last year's graphic. That's last year's yeah. graphic. You don't, you don't see it, but like, uh, you know, this way a little bit. No, no, this way. Developing Molly is still on the poster. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> last year's poster from when they won. Uh, I and think who, who are I you? Who I use the best? Yeah, who I use on this poster as well. And he is the best Genji in the world right now. I think he is the best Genji in the world. Um, and in my opinion, Genji is like the most important hero in this meta for various reasons. Um. Yaki has been actually surprisingly insane on the brig, like so damn good on the brig. Um, actually, this kind of blows my mind. I did not expect him to be that good. And Lip has come into form. Like Lip had a really rough year. I think Lip's year has been not good. Like he's he struggled to pick up Sojin. And now, when you look at his recent games with Sojin, he is doing disgusting stuff, like killing Stalker while he Stalker's mid blading. He just like Ajaxes his blade. Shit like that, like just Lip just does that, like and that's just that's common, that's just normal, normal stuff for Lip. He just normally does that. I just, I don't know, I can't see anyone beating that, and I, I, I can't even see Soul getting more than one to two maps versus that. I just think Shanghai's form is unreal. Like it's, they've reached a level that is just too hard for anyone to catch up to for this tournament. I agree. I, 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 I genuinely believe in map five. For so I think like that's going to be Soul's hopium, but I think Shanghai is just going to come out and booty bop them in the grand finals in a 4-1 as well. I can go 4-2 if you guys prefer 4-2. Um, I, I feel, I'm feeling a 4-2. 4-2? Yeah. 
Or, or, can we all agree yeah, on Fields 4 2? For Connor's sake, for Connor's sake, we'll give 4 2. All right. True. Oh, I need to fill out the West too. All right. There we go. Our Eastern bracket. We've got the Shanghai oh, Dragons. Oh, that was just Speed running. Speed running. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Here we go. A bit quicker then. These are pretty straightforward to kick things off. First off, the Washington Justice against the Dallas Fuel. How many maps do we give Justice in this win by Fuel? Zero. One. Dallas Fuel always drops a map. Okay, true. Actually, big true. Big yeah, true. that's fair. All, all right. right. All in agreement. Lono Spitfire against the Toronto Defiant. Rematch of the Sunday match where Lono Spitfire beat them 3-1. And according to the Yiska Jews, uh, Lono Spitfire have been good in scrims, but unable to implement it in matches. I don't buy into the scrim box. I, I'm sorry. I've just been hurt too many times. But London did beat Toronto Defiant in an actual match. Can they repeat things? On stage, in Toronto, on Toronto. I actually think the Toronto buff, home crowd buff comes through. I'm, I'm not buying it. Although Genji, sussy. Okay. Sussy and what, what, what are you trying to say? It's not very good. Like, Backbone is, is by no means like the standout player, but I think watching that most recent match, that was like, they got diffed in both DPS roles, like pretty significantly. And I don't, like, yeah, maybe Toronto comes out. And if, they, if Hisu and all those step up, then like, yeah, absolutely Toronto can win it. But like, after what we just saw, I think London Spitfire should be the favorites. I'm actually, I'm actually going with Toronto Defiant in this one. I think that was an underperformance against Lonzon Fitzpire. I don't think, I, I think Hisu, I think Hisu and Aldo will be better on stage. I think they're coming in with a vengeance. They were obviously like shattered after losing that match. And I think they knew that they sucked. And then Moby Dick made like a pretty bad joke about, you know, losing on purpose. So the other guys couldn't make it. I think that was, you know, absolutely like tongue in cheek. And I think he just failed the delivery. So it, it sounded like he was being honest about it, but... In reality, I think they wanted to win that match and the players were devastated, but I think they'll come in clutch with the crowd buff. I'm on Toronto Defiant side here. I'm on the Toronto Defiant train, oh, baby. Shit. Oh, shit! Oh, damn. boy! Oh, Only custom with the long Spitfire. 3-1. 3-1? Hey, I'm just saying, like, we've had some matches on stage before where we just spent like, holy fuck. Like, Dallas Fuel against LA Valiant, I think in 2020 was a prime example. You walk up on stage and you're like, whoa, this is not my home office. This, this is not our living yeah. room anymore. Also, I think that that match was kind of... A that match also was like, would have been way closer, except for the fact that Sparker literally saved the London Spitfire's ass True. so many times. True. Sparker was doing... People were talking about backbones Genji for some reason during match chat and like during my own chat. And I was like, no, no, no. This is the Sparker show. Sparker went crazy. It was yeah. the actual Sparker show during that match. And like, if he has a performance like that again, like they need to see someone answering from Defiant. But like, that's a pretty anomalous performance, I think, in terms of like, yeah, Sparker's been good, but he isn't hitting matches like that all the time. Also, um, Lone Spitfire no. bombed out of the midseason madness. They got reverse swept by the Florida Mayhem. Yeah. I'm feeling Defiant. I, can I say you on a 3-2? Because I think London wins push against Toronto. Do you think they win like control and push? Yeah, I, well, I, I, no, I think they win. I think they win uh, escort and push. I think they fail the reverse sweep because I think what happens is they lose the first two maps. They go to Circuit Royale. They win Circuit Royale again, and then they win whatever the push map is. Then they lose on control again because I think they've fucked up control a lot of their practice um, because they plan spent a lot of time practicing May, and I don't think May is that good. Do we buy it? Do we buy what Costa is selling? Three two. I. Don't want to. I mean, it depends if everyone else is in it. 
Avril? I'll go along if the majority is going to be like, fine, 3-2, but like, I'm fine to keep it at 3-1 myself currently. I think the crowd buff is going to be too good. Uh, I agree, 3-1. Home crowd buff is like really strong for Damn, Toronto. And, and, and Toronto is actually like a pretty good team as well. And I agree with Johnny, is like, they did underperform. Like, to me, it's a bit of an anomaly. Yeah. Situation. Yeah, especially because although Genji's been good before this too, when you drop the Aldo Sussy, the Aldo Genji's been good the rest of this stage. Yeah. 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 It's been all right. I'm not going to say that he's like some world beat or anything, but. No, no, know. no. Obviously not. Head but like, that's backbone. I don't think it's a liability. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. So. Toronto Defiant. We got them, uh, well, upsetting, I suppose, on a Spitfire. 3 1. Damn. Uh, San Francisco Shock against the Vancouver Titans. 3 0. Yep. Three Next. Yeah, three zero. Yeah, three zero. No match yeah. Titans that just lost to the Boston <laughs> yeah, Uprising. Sorry, Houston David. Outlaws against the 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 compositionally flex support, majestless Florida Mayhem. I had I had Houston winning this three two because I that would be the most Houston thing to have this close. But I think without Majed, I think this becomes a three zero. I think Majed is like a linchpin to a lot of what they do. I think even with Majed, this was potentially a three zero. I'm not gonna lie, I'm. I think Houston looks fucking scary coming into I this agree, tournament. Yeah. Good. Uh, so I'm willing to just give it a 3-0 for safety's sake. I'm done. All right. Yep. All right. Great. Let's uh, continue with the winning brackets matches. Dallas Fuel against the Toronto Defiant in an upper in the upper bracket. I mean, honestly, classic Dallas fashion match. Three-one, maybe. Yeah, I think it's three-one again. Yeah. For Fuel. Three-one again. The yeah. same result they had in the qualifier game as well. Three. I don't, think, I don't think we have to further elaborate on that one. Dallas Fuel, obviously, the better team. You know, just pound for pound. Interesting to see if Edison can continue his Ash play, like Avril brought up uh, during the tournament. You do get losers picks, so you could favor Ash maps. You know, if you drop a map or two, you could go towards. Doesn't Hisu maps, so. like the Ash as well? Uh, he does. Yeah, they actually Hisu's played the most well, Ash. No, Hisu likes the Ash. Yeah, yeah he's so even like even if Toronto are losing, they'll probably pick some Ash maps. That's a good shot. That's a good shot. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting, actually. I, I just love the Ash matchup. I think they're very fun to watch. Uh, let's move on. We got the San Francisco Shock against the Houston Outlaws. So the Houston Outlaws that were high on, that we think this could be their tournament to make like a top three finish or something like that. They do play the Shock that did get bopped 3-1 by the Dallas Fuel themselves this past week. I think 3-1 to the Shock. I don't think Outlaws beat the Shock. I think they'll play them close, but I... Dallas Fuel see. beat them with the Ash, and Outlaws has been another team that plays a lot of Ash. Is that another benefit, or do we think Sojourn's just gonna neutralize it? I, oh man, this is a hard one, but overall, when I think consistency across the board, the shock... Well, actually, no, they did get their ship pushed in by Fuel, but... That was against a legendary performance from Edison. It was I feel like for safety's safety sake, I'm, I think it's a map five, though. I'm going to say it. I think it's a map five. Maybe I hard be, to be, replicate that Edison performance. A shock winning in map five? Is, is that what you're I think selling? it's a shock winning map five. I think so, too. I, I, can, I can buy that. Avril? But he's I really rate Houston. I think I'm being swayed a bit to the 3-2. I was thinking 3-1. Houston is such an inconsistent team when you look at the results, it's qualifying, it's like really all over the place. Alright, let me um, sell you guys, uh, Avril, before, let me give you an alternative. Door number three. What if we have a 3-2 three, 
Houston Outlaws win. San Francisco Shock runs it through the lower bracket. I'm willing, I mean, honestly, I, I don't think that's impossible I, at all. I, I, I think there, there is a world in which that happens. As I said, Houston's pretty good in map fives these days. Merritt, I don't know what he takes on map five, but he is just on a different level. And so I think Houston, if Pelican shows up and matches proper or does better than proper, I think they can win. So you'd need Pelican to match proper. You'd need Merit to probably be better than Kilo. And be better, yeah. Dante to have some better rampages and stuff than Kalush, maybe as an off day or something like that. Yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe this is some bathroom fucking fumes coming through my, uh, th coming through my head again. But like... Lep and Lastros is Finn and Violet. Yeah, well, like Violet... Okay, here's my thing. I watched the Violet Dallas Fuel. Violet got punished a lot uh for his aggression and finn made some pretty bad brig mistakes as well and like just like just over aggression and like not respecting their opponents i think if outlaws play in a way in which they are able to punish them in the same way that dallas did i think houston are in with a shot to win this match uh i think it's unlikely but i think it's funny yeah i i kind of agree but i think overall just because of overall pedigree and how consistent they've looked still besides the fuel match i'm willing to give shock the three two yeah. Yeah, I okay, think that's, that. yeah, shock three, two. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, I agree with the shock as well. I do very much like Houston Outlaws going into this tournament and enjoy the storyline, but I do think the shock is the better team, and I'm not gonna let the that cloud my cloud my judgment when I try to predict this one. So maybe it can do a lower bracket run. Uh, before we get to the uh, the final upper bracket match, let's do uh, some lower bracket matches. We have the Washington Justice against the London Spitfire here in the first lower bracket round. This is, a, this is a tough one. I'm not going to lie. I like Washington Justice at times. I think Assassin's been lights out on the Genji at points. Kalios, he's been dying a lot on the, uh, on the Junker Queen recently, but you know his offensive capabilities are there. Washington Justice has been so hit and miss, but when they hit their stride with Decay and Assassin, I think, I think they've looked good, but can they beat the Lona Spitfire realistically? They beat London in their most recent matchup, like a week and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. but that thing, was on May, right? No? Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to work out if that's like honeymoon period as well of like they have the new roster and they're just sort of like nothing to play for. Um, I don't I mean, know. The same week Washington lost to Vancouver, so it's like... Yeah, I guess that's true. Hard to read into it. I, I, I mean, this is where like if you believe in London from their win versus Toronto, this is where you cash in that belief. Right, so... This is where I, I'm thinking to London come through uh, I think they lose to Toronto for the home buff, but then London are still, if they can ride off that win versus Toronto in the qualifier, then this is where they can cash in a, I'll even give a 3-2 here, because I think I think Washington have caliber, but um, just based on the fact they had a 3-2 a game previously, but this time I'll just flip it to London instead of it being Washington winning 3-2. I'm good for a 3-2 London win. 3-2 London win? All right. Yep. I must I say... I, just to defend Washington quickly here. I feel like this could easily turn into a game where you're just like, whoa, Decay and Assassin are actually playing well against the London Spitfire and like Spark or Backbone don't come alive. Hadi maybe on the same page as Backbone. I, 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 do, I do think that London Spitfire has to prove that they're good in the regular season, but they also have to be good in tournaments and elimination matches like this and especially in front of a crowd. I do think that London Spitfire has something additional to prove there, whereas like Decay is a veteran in the league for some time now and um, stuff like that so you know it's just intangibles but I'm not going to count out justice in this one yeah I'd even be willing to give London 3-1 potentially but I'll, I'll stick with a 3-2 
Okay, Long Space Fire 3-2 seems to be the universally agreed upon. Alright, Washington Justice out in the first round. Still though, just, just you know, five and a half members on the roster. Can't be too shabby, you know, this stage after all. Uh, Vancouver Titans against the Florida Mayhem. Without budget, I suppose. Vancouver Titans that did lose to the Boston Uprising this past week. Who are we going with? I think, I think if Majed, if some, if we got a situation where Majed to be there, I could see, I could. Uh, All no, right. So I in the first could, match, you're like, oh, they don't have Majed. In the second one, you're like, what if they well, have Majed? Okay. But they don't have Majed. They, they, they did just delete that Majed tweet. Yeah. yeah the tweet also did say they're trying to find a way for him for him to play from home. Yeah. Pelican has historically Pelican played from home in playoffs last year. Yeah. It's possible. That was a like, health issue. That's separate from stage, a visa. Right? But yeah. They would have to set up a separate area for the play, right? Because they couldn't, because one team could be on stage or something, the other team couldn't, or something like that, right? Oh, you just have four people on stage and Majid at home. Yeah, I he, guess that's true. Here's the problem because I think if Majed's here, I think Florida Mayhem can actually beat Vancouver. But I think if they can't play the double flex support, I'm a little worried about them. That, so it's like Majed is a big linchpin for me on this, for this Florida Mayhem team. So I think. I'm going to go under the assumption that he's not going to play just because that is the most recent information we heard. So I'm going to, I think Vancouver wins that like three, one. Yeah. I also think, you know, it's, it's all to speculate about this, but I think it would perhaps set a weird precedent if you would allow Majed to uh, play from home because they couldn't secure a visa. And, you know, maybe that would be understandable, but you know, the goal for the league, it would be to have everyone in place. And when you start getting to like gray areas like this, it's hard to right. make like the decision from the league standpoint of like, should we allow him to play from home or not? In Pelican's case last trend. year, that guy literally what, had like surgery. That was like a doctor's order or something like that. And he couldn't fly for like health reasons. Very different from like, hey, we failed to acquire, like, a visa. And look, I'm not playing the Florida Bayman in any way. Look, a very complicated situation, very short time frame to secure a visa like this. How could they possibly have known? Not blaming anyone, but I'm not going to, like, assume that Sir Majed can't a, play for It's home. a slippery slope, right? Because then teams might just, like, be laissez-faire with visas and then just, fuck it, we don't need a visa, we should just play from home. I don't know. Yeah, so I, I don't want to make the assumption that Majed will play for yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. Um... But yeah, we seem to think that without Majed, it's probably a Vancouver Titans win here in their matchup. I think we go Vancouver. Yeah, I think we gotta go Vancouver. I think we gotta go Vancouver in like a map five, maybe. Map five? Give Mayhem two maps. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I feel like, damn, but they're not gonna have a jet. No, actually, fuck it. I'm gonna give it a three. <sighs> three one. Three one. They're coming up against the Spire, man. Yeah. And like Hydron just needs to have another life game. He just needs to have another or life like game. Or something. Yeah. If Hydron has a light, a good, really good game here, I could see a map five. Without that, I think it's a 3 1. Yep. All right. All right. There you go. Vancouver Titans, 3 1 against the Florida Mayhem. Let's continue in the lower bracket. We got the London Spitfire taking on the Houston Outlaws that have just lost to map five against the Shock. I'm taking Which outlaws. means Outlaws are, are fucking pretty good then. I Absolutely. think Outlaws 3 0. 3-0 from Costa. I think they're, they're going to play Madge, and I think this is going to be the Outlaws' defining game. Like they, I think they're breaking the mold. You and think I, it's Madge because... over Boomed? So you, you don't think it's Houstonable? 
I, I don't think it's usable. I, I, I don't like, think Houston will take losing to the shock at a map five or at a close game as like a boomable situation. That's like, oh, we lost the shock the first time around. Like that's like that. That would actually just be stupid on them. Like legitimately, they would have to be dumb to be like, we lost to the shock closely. We're so ass. Like, no, like, I mean, like, that's just like, that's actually just dumb. There's no way they have that sort of mindset coming in that like, if they were to lose to the shock in a close match, this is like, they're, we're, we're going to tilt off the earth. That would just yeah. be dumb. As long as Merritt okay. doesn't get hard diffed by Sparker, I think Pelican's gonna just go fucking crazy. Yeah. All right. We'll I don't have it. I don't, I'm happy to put a three zero here. Yeah. Works All right. Me. Right on. Houston Outlaws the advance. Next match in the lower bracket: the Vancouver Titans against the Toronto so Defiant. Another three zero, I think. Uh, <laughs> now, I mean, now like... here's actually I'm gonna bring in some intangibles. Yeah, this is a Canada matchup. Yeah. Canada matchup in front of the Canadian crowd. This is where the Vancouver Titans, they've been drinking out of their Circle K cups the whole time. They swap over the juices in them to the Red Bull vodka mix. They go a little crazy. Uh, I think I'm thinking a map five ba Canada banger here. But a map five Canada banger. Tell me to who. That's, I agree with you. For but defiant. I... For defiant. It would be Holy funny as fuck. If the Vancouver Titans just like channeled like, hey, we're in Toronto and we're the only Canada team and we're just like going to fucking beat these guys. You have Maza, Deepay on that team, you know, uh, I, Mirror has a bit of edge to him. You know, I can see this guy rally um, like dude, they're, they're, the they're team morale's high. Their team yeah. morale's high. Yeah. Like, obviously, their last loss was like not ideal for them. They felt like it was clearly they were rough over that. But like, I think their morale currently is like they're it's like the close you can get to a honeymoon while come while improving from like that turbo trash status, you know, of like, I think they're like right in that zone. Aspire versus Hisu. I'm going, I want to, I want to go three, two Vancouver. I think this no is, the, I think <laughs> they have, they have nothing to lose. They like, they have, they're, they're, they've gone through the first round. They've beaten Florida mayhem. At this point, they're just happy to be here. And they're going up against Toronto. Toronto is nervous. Their palms are sweaty. Who's, he's worrying about like not performing on land. And I think Vancouver's going to play confident. They're going to play fun because it doesn't matter if they lose that match in their eyes. And I think they're going to come through for a map five Banger win over the Defiant. Avril, um, what do you got? We think Vancouver are that good. Like, no, I don't think Vancouver. Right I think this good. is pure like stage uh, this intangible. Is, this is, this, this I don't is think Vancouver are that good. And no, Defiant yeah. have been good, but it dropped the spaghetti. You're talking about stage intangibles. Like, isn't isn't the Van isn't the Toronto crowd going to go for Toronto? Yeah, but also, but, but, no, but I'm saying that's also Defiant well. have dropped the spaghetti before too. Yeah. Defiant have like had moments of like I think Defiant will do a little bit of spaghetti drop in, but they're going to be fine because they're count level Boston. time. They did. Seeker yeah, but was Boston a played menace. well. Yeah, Boston played well in that series. Like I, yeah. I agree that was a bad loss. And I'm saying, like I think this is just complete pure speculation like, off off the goop. Like if you guys want to go for Toronto, that's the logical choice. I but think if they know, I, beat Mayhem, they're going to be feeling feeling themselves here coming into the Battle of Canada. That's you know? what I'm saying. Yeah, that's but I, I'm saying. but I, I think Mayhem are like you know they're an off meta team who might not even have one of the players that they need. Yeah, yeah. But the point like, being, it's it's not they're just the they're just, just the nitrous they're yeah, just the nitrous I, for the vancouver boost and i'm not arguing for vancouver to win i think vancouver loses i think i think vancouver, vancouver loses i think vancouver can come in confident they can come in like feeling good but yeah this is where you like when you look at the results over the course of the stage so far it's like when you look at who they've won been and who they've lost to it's like i don't know yeah. I, I just I, I think toronto are definitely the better team I, I might even give toronto 3-1 here but i'm thinking like this is 
I can't shrug off this London Spitfire loss. I think that's it. Like I that like that to me that wasn't like major mistakes or anything like that. All that right, just right, like it okay. slipped away you from them. Fine. I, I think that was two. genuinely I can do three two Toronto. Lack of confidence. Okay. Welcome to three two Toronto team. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, I, I want to do three two Vancouver. But I feel like my sanity is like fucking you banging can't, my yeah, skull. Just like, for fuck's sake, go with Toronto. Uh, no, it's wrong. It I'm depends on how you get there as well. Here. Like, it depends on like who wins push and like who feels good going into that map five. Because if you're Toronto and you're up like 2-1 and then you lose push and then you go into map five and it's like, oh, fuck, pressure's on. We got to win map five. Um, on the other side of it, I could see Vancouver Titans just crumbling on map five as well, like depending on the circumstances, you know. Maybe they have a moment where like, oh, we need to play May or Faro or something and, you know, you mess that up. So it depends on how you go into the map five. But my my heart says, or my heart says Vancouver, my brain says Toronto. So it seems like we're split. Into your heart, Johnny. No, I, I said, I, I, I'm love, I appreciate going off the goop. But I think Toronto 3 2, I'm happy to. I'll, I'll settle for it. But I want it to be remembered that I believe in the Vancouver. Maybe it's because they called me a hater in comms check that no, I feel like I need to give back. I, I'm like overcompensating now, being like, no, I believe in you. <laughs> Trains like going in the distance, you're sprinting at like Usain Bolt trying to catch yeah. up. All right. I think we're going with the Toronto Defiant here. There we go. Uh, which leads to the Houston Outlaws against the Toronto Defiant. Okay. I don't think the Toronto Defiant crowd buff beats the Outlaws. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think Unless so. Unless it's usable. No. It's I a, mean, it is, but it the is thing the same is, day. It's the same day. Is this a match it. after? No. I can't it. Dallas Fuel. This is the Dallas Fuel Shock is between Vancouver and Houston. If there was, if it was usable, they will lose to London. I think if they, once they beat London, it's no longer Houstonable at this point. And you I think that they are quantify the Houston into this manner. There's no quantifying the Houston. Yeah, they're either going to shit the bed. If they come out and finish fourth, that's not shitting the bed. That's just being fine. Houston either. I think they're either going to overachieve or underachieve. I don't think they're going to hit the middle. I could see them hit the okay. middle. Yeah, I, I, I think they beat <laughs> I think they beat the fine here. That's my take. Yeah. yeah. Especially. I don't like think it's a 3-0 though. Yeah, I think I, it'll be at least a 3-1. I think that Vancouver match is going to be nerve-wracking. And again, intangibles, but like as someone who's like played like two state two games uh, or two matches on stage like in a single day, the fucking adrenaline and like emotions that run through your body as you play like on stage. So like if you're in a close match against Vancouver on stage and like the Canada matchup, you get one match off and then it's like, "Hey, you got to play Houston Outlaws now." You're like, "Oh, fuck, man." Like I I, I need like three Red Bulls at this point. So, yeah, I, th I think it's going to be tough mentally for Toronto to be ready for this match as well. Houston gets some added rest in the match against London in the morning. So, yeah. Leaning uh, Houston Outlaws here. Uh, wh what map count are we talking? 3-1. It's going to be 3-1 or 3-0, right? I'm going 3-0, I think. You think they're just going to tear through London? I think they're Toronto. going to fucking slap them. Would you call that overachieving? Toronto did lose to Toronto Spitfire. It's three. I, I think I don't. I don't think I think the Spitfire match was an anomaly. I think it's going to be at least a three-one for Outlaws. Three-one. I want to go three-zero. I I just have a hard. I don't think the series will be competitive. I think this will be one-sided as fuck. That's my opinion. I agree. I think Pelican is going to go crazy in both of these matches. 
I think Defiant will uh, well I think I think Defiant will have a pop off here and they'll be good. And also I really do rate the new what used to be the old Adamantium backline of the Gladiators has now been transferred to the Toronto Defiant. The Toronto Defiant backline is the new Adamantium backline of Toronto and Twilight. They're so good at not only disengaging from blades and living, but negating Junker Queen value a lot. They're really good at that with their boops and the and the flails and such. I really rate this backline. I think that they're going to do great because a lot of the value for the outlaws is really built around like, okay, we're like ult cycling really well. We're setting up Pelican. We're setting up Dante for these big ults. If you have two great support players to mitigate a lot of that value, I think it brings that much more in line to a close series. Is there any crowd buff here for, for Toronto that can carry them through for one map? Yeah, maybe, but what I'm leaning on. I I mean, if Toronto were to win a map, like I could see them come out and like maybe win on control, and then I that's think what it, I'm thinking. The, they win, what, they win the first map, and but, the outlaws get the rest. That's what I'm thinking. I'm fine. I'm. I just don't. I think it would just be. I think it would just be, especially because of how like how good the backline is at mitigating this value here, and so integral. I think to defiance things that even if Hisu and Aldo don't have like a perfect showing they still can like shut down some of the value, some of the pop-off of Outlaws to where I feel like it earns them a map. All right. 3-1. Houston Outlaws against Toronto Defiance seems to be the prevailing answer. Let's head back to the upper bracket. We got the Dallas Fuel taking on the San Francisco Shock in the upper bracket final. Dallas Fuel have just defeated Toronto Defiance 3-1 themselves. San Francisco Shock in a close five-map banger against the Houston Outlaws the day before. Dallas Fuel against the San Francisco Shock, a rematch. Dallas Fuel beat them 3-1 this past week. What do we think? Do Shock have a chance to now, redeem themselves this, in this one? This comes down to whether you believe Edison's performance can be replicated again and again and again, and if it's going to be on the Ash, and then if it is going to be the Ash, do Shock just give Fuel a bunch of Ash maps? Because I'm thinking, and the, this is where this is the, a bit of an issue for me as well, is because like normally I'd be like, oh yeah, now Krusty... Just not gonna do that. Why would you give the fuel the good maps? But then you see them pick Gibraltar versus Glads and MSM. And you're like, okay, well that didn't make sense either. So, um, <laughs> well, really, what shocks shouldn't do? What what they should do is kind of avoid the things that are good for the fuel. For what it's worth, Dallas Fuel they come in with the higher seed. They will have the first map pick in this one, and yep. Shock will get to choose two following maps. So let's imagine Fuel maybe pick something like an Ilios. It's the most Ash friendly map if they want to force Ash. Yeah. Shock then get I don't think Shock is matrix. great historically at Ilios either. I believe. Uh, Going into mid that was the case mid season madness. Don't know about oh, mid they picked Ilios a lot in mid season. They felt like they were good at Ilios in mid season. Whether they actually were or not is up to for debate, but they felt like they were good. Um I think they probably Hybrid, they don't go Paraiso, they though they go Hollywood in Midtown, maybe even in Midtown. Um I'm just I'm going to be fucking honest, guys. Want. I'm leaning Dallas, Shock for the upset winner. That's the thing is, like, I, I think I think Shock, get, Shock with mad picks and an understanding of how they lost the fuel have a good chance to just beat the fuel here. I think fuel win if they get everything they want. But otherwise, I think Shock, like, have, have a good comeback versus fuel here compared to previous game. Hmm. Just like I, think, I think Dallas wins this, uh, the winner's round three, and then I think Shock is going to win in the grand final. 
Over there, I'll see. What? <laughs> you like fucking jumped two, two steps in advance. Well, you don't have to have give to us the grand finals crumbs, but give us the crumbs as to why Dallas okay, you will at least yeah. be struck here. Because I think Dallas have first map pick. I think that they, they look comfortable. I think that they should come in with confidence in this match. But I don't know. Something about this just feels like the shock. Like I can feel it in the tremors in the ground that I think shock is going to come back. And I think in the playoffs... I, I heavily believe of what Avril was saying is I don't think Edison can consistently replicate that level of performance on hitscan that he did. I don't think he can hard diff Kilo in the way that he did in that match. And I'm willing to give Dallas the advantage because they have first map pick. But I think going into the grand finals when it is a best of seven, I think Shock are going to take it. Okay, so I take the other side of that argument. I feel like it's more likely that Shock are going to win this one against the Dallas Fuel, just like how they beat the LA Gladiators in the midseason madness in the upper bracket, because... You know, for example, they now have a read on how Dallas Fuel plays. They'll go in with that information, and maybe they'll execute some kind of strategy. Dallas Fuel will be caught off guard, and it's almost like a like you know boxers in a ring. Then Dallas Fuel will come back from the lower bracket, and they'll get a chance to improve upon the mistakes they committed in the upper bracket match. So I'm almost going like the other way around. I think this one would be the one for Shock to win, and then Dallas Fuel coming back in the grand finals. Hmm. Just because like how the prep comes out. And Edison's, you know, amazing Ash performance and whether it can be replicated. I'm I, I feel like I'm taking a, f a fuel win here. Okay. It I think feels I'm like back people are leaning Dallas fuel then. All right. I'm back on my fuel bullshit, actually. I think I am. Yeah, I'm going fuel. They win. But I will say it's probably a banger map five. Map five. Okay. Yeah. I think Fuel and Shock are going to be... So remember when I said 90% of teams, like the prep shit's bullshit? I think these are the 10% where it actually might actually matter for it's these squads. Because I think both of them probably recognize they're the two best teams in this event. Yeah, it's also like prep aside, it's, it, it's not only about the prep when it comes to like adjustments to like play style and composition it's also like the confidence that that prep provides like the shock going into this matchup understanding what some of the frauds were in the previous matchup and like like now having the confidence upon your own play and not just feeling like you're the underdog necessarily so i do think shock comes in like rejuvenated into this matchup but you know again intangibles like what the fuck does it matter dallas fuel has been a better team so far so it seems like we're leaning dallas fuel to win this one anyway uh three one three two do we agree with uh, Aster? It's gonna be a map five banger. If we, if you think, if we think Dallas is winning, I think probably a three-two, right? I think Shocker, especially with map. Here's the thing: we're in map map pick area now. Where like usually in these playoffs types of games, we map pick is a thing. You know, we get close to games, especially among high caliber teams. So I think like three-two to me is more okay. reasonable. Here's why I don't think it'll go to map five. Dallas Fuel are extremely good at push maps. And so if it were to go to five, I think you'd have to... I think the road to five to would be first. Shock winning Escort and Hybrid, which I don't think to go up 2-1 in this series. Um, so I, I, that's why I'm leaning 3-1 Dallas Fuel, because I think they'll just mm -hmm. like win either Escort or Hybrid and then win on push. And Control, because it's their map pick. All right. 3-1, you know, we're a fucking auction right, right there. Going once, or three, going thrice, twice, once. Yeah. I'm down 3-1. All, right. all right, three one Dallas Fuel, there it I'll, is. I'll trust you on this one. All right. I just made all that up. No, I'm kidding. Um, 
<laughs> Houston outlast against the San Francisco Shock in the lower bracket final for a spot in the stage playoff finals. The Houston outlast put on an absolute tier in the lower bracket. Shock just got slacked by the Dallas Fuel 3-1 in the upper bracket. Is this, is this the time when Houston outlaws fulfill their five-year-old promise or whatever to be good in a non-Junkrat meta? I think there is two sides of this. I don't think this is ever close. In a, in a way of like, I think Shocky the 3-0 booty bops the Houston Outlaws or the Houston Outlaws win. Maybe in map five, but I think, I don't think Shock wins this 3-1 or 3-2. I think, yeah, I think Shock, it comes down to, for me, it's Shock. Like, do they choke in the playoffs again? Like, that's kind of what I'm feeling. Are they going to like, just, oh shit, we're in the lower bracket now, panic and just fall over. Like they haven't done that, very, like they've never won anything, but I wonder if this is where the pressure sort of like mounts up onto them that they have to play against a potentially very good Houston Outlaws. Shock, but I don't, don't get a Knight's Rest. Yeah. My crazy, crazy thing is Shock kind of due for a win almost. I think I, Dallas I, is due for a win as well, but it's like grand finals, midseason madness, where like went to 4-2, maybe if they don't see 9, could have been a map 7. Um, and they were they had the twenty oh no record this time around. They look at minimum to be the second best team in this meta in NA. Um, what are? Sorry, I interrupted your point. Daryl, go on. I mean, I'm 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 basically just finishing off by saying that you know, like to me, like they they look like they're due. They look like they should be the the better team compared to Houston. They're kind of due for a win. Like the shock roster is of that caliber to me. Or maybe I'm overrating them, but. Would we give any credence, I don't know if that's the word, to the possibility that we're looking at a 2021 playoff scenario where the San Francisco Shock and Dallas Fuel, they're the two best teams in the tournament. Um, Shock, they go down to the Dallas Fuel, disappointed in their loss, get a day to recover, but then has their eyes on the prize of that final match, they kind of like dismiss this Houston Outlaws matchup and we get like an Atlanta right. Rain Dallas Fuel scenario where Houston Outlaws is actually a super formidable opponent with Merit and Pelican on firing on all cylinders, and Shock don't come in exactly yeah. in the same kind of high spirits. And then, and then following that storyline, Houston go to the finals and get Owen Ford. Maybe. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Like, is, there, is that a possibility? Or do we think Shock is just like oh, the superior man. team and Houston Outlaws won't be able to overcome them? That, that's, that's what I believe. Like, I believe that is, like, the scenario as well. But, like, Houston, there's a world in which Shock, like, just, like, loses to Houston in, like, what feels like an unfathomable way. And then Dallas people just, like, walk it home to the park and just, like, because I, I think Dallas is just better than Houston. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I, I genuinely believe in my Shock making their run. I think this is Shock's time to win, like Abel said earlier. Avast? Outlaws against the Shock in the lower bracket final. I think... There's the probably one of the best outlaws I've ever looked. I think Shock are be are, they're beginning to build the momentum to go back to the grand finals here. Three two map banger, outlaws Shock. I think outlaws. This is the best outlaws have looked to me, uh, heading into like any event. Uh, and I feel really confident about. I think they're also going to be like this is the one. And the problem with the outlaws is that sadly, it's not your time yet, little bro. It probably won't be for a long time. <laughs> Still. So I think Shock, they're going to win this in a map five. Houston fans are going to be crushed. Dude. Shock is going to walk away like, whoo, that was close. They're going to the grand finals and they're about to fucking, they're about to blow out some backs. Tell you what, final. Philly fans are upset they keep coming second. Houston fans are upset they can't even get to second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Could be worse. All right. 
San Francisco Shock beating Houston Outlaws in a five-map banger. There we go. And that sets us up for the Dallas Fuel, San Francisco Shock. Stage finals matchup. And this is where Costa, he wants the fucking payoff for the story of the century. I want game seven giga banger shock wins in game seven. Do you think That's... they play five maps and then seven more for totaling 12 maps in like three hours? A proper puts his fucking flag on the MVP race. <laughs> like, you know, he's at the top there. He's been dancing for the last fucking th two stages. And now he's going to supplant his flag into the mountain and he's going to go crazy against Dallas. The only time I can recall this has happened in Overwatch history was when London Spitfire won Stage 1 2018 when they, I think they beat like Houston Atlas in like 4 or 5 maps and then went like fucking 7 maps or something against New York Excelsior in the finals again. I can also, I think Soul Dynasty did it once in 2020. Uh, there was no kickoff clash. It was the equivalent to kickoff clash or whatever against Shanghai Dragons. They played like 12 maps in a row. I cannot begin to fucking explain how mentally draining and difficult it is to play like over 10 maps in a row of Overwatch and compete at the highest level. So you think with Summer well, Sister okay. going to five and then beating them in seven. Here's my disagreement. I don't think this the Shock Houston game is going to be 3-2. I think Shock is going to win 3-0 and then walk in with that confidence into the Dallas match. Okay. That's what that's All where right. my yeah. my path to differentiates from this loss. Okay. That seems wild to me. 3-0. I mean, Custa's story is very attractive, but it is, it is. It's an attractive story. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm running a narrative here. I'm but not just logical I think you're reasoning. underplaying the power of... I think you're underplaying Outlaws a bit, though. With that I narrative. think you guys are overplaying Outlaws, and that is my account. Like, I think Outlaws are going to beat through, and they're going to have the best run, but you guys are saying that Outlaws is going to have their bus, best run ever and make it to the Grand Finals against two Titans of the Dallas Fuel. And no, I don't think they're going to make it to Grand Finals. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm saying Shock beats him in the map. Well, five. but yeah, yeah, okay. But you're like, you're saying that, like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't believe that Parrot, uh, sorry, Parrot, <laughs> Merritt and Pelican are going to be able to put them to that level. I don't think that, I think we're being unrealistic. I think it's going to be a great tournament for Houston. The best tournament they've ever had is the best, but I, I just think Shock is going to come into this little bracket fucking angry. Do we want to change well, to a 3 1 of Houston Outlaw Shock? Do we want to, uh, Want to go back and change to a 3-1 or are we sticking to the 3-2? Oh, no, no, no. You don't have to change that. All right, all right. We're not we'll stick to the 3-2. Let's start here. Let's start here. Do we have Dallas Fuel or the San Francisco Shock winning the finals? Custer's been <laughs> saying it's the Shock. I've asked the Neville. I want to know. Dallas or Shock? I, I, I've been saying it's like Shock's due for a win, but I also think Dallas are due for a win as well. Because they, they okay, made who is the better team? The you don't always get <sighs> what you need or want. I think Shock is a better team, but I also think Shock has this weird, like, matchup versus Dallas, where like, what what's the historical win record between these two teams? Because no anecdotally, idea. anecdotally, it feels like Dallas have beaten Shock more often than not, and um, for for Shock, it's just like a weird matchup for them. Like they did they not lose to Fuel, uh, in Kickoff Clash as well. They would have. Lost a few on the way. They might have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they did. Or did it lose a lot of um, Dallas? I don't know. Yeah, they no. did. They got 3 0 by Shock and lower bracket semi final in in the kickoff clash tournament. Um, it's just one of those things, right? Like, I feel like Shock is a great team, but then Fuel is just a team that always gets in their way. Um, 
it's hard for me because I think Shock is the better team in this meta. I think they're more well-rounded. Um, and I'm also riding on a lot of proper here to, yeah, to just I, carry through. And, and that, that's it. I, I'm riding on a lot of proper stepping up, Kilo stepping up, and Edison not being able to put that performance up again. Like Edison, like we talked about Edison of like he was barely even the hit scan player for Dallas Fuel heading into the stage. And like, yeah, he's been lights out and he especially exploded in that match against shock but do you guys think he can replicate that time and time again in a seven match series has to be i don't necessarily think he necessarily has to put up that because that level of performance is to get get a pretty dominant victory right he can put up a, a pretty just a, a good performance and still nedge out an arrow win a narrow win here versus the shock I have that a lot like of respect him, like, for Sparkle and Humbin as well. So, so it, it, it's tough. It sort of evens out. I'm kind of leaning Dallas Fuel here. Uh, I've asked, I need your input on this one. Dallas Fuel, San Francisco Shock, and a map score. I, so no one will I ever watch this again more, after this weekend. Don't worry. Up, I think Humbin's a better, better Jungle Queen than Kaluj. True. I yep, think, I agree. Spar I think Sparkle at his peak. It's not, he's not quite as good as proper, obviously, but he's putting up very, and the way they played with Edison, it's very clear that he understands what Sparkle has always done in every t in every iteration and every meta Sparkle has always understood his role exceptionally well with like what he needs to do for this team. And he clearly showed that when they played the shock and throughout the rest of the series before this. And also he's an incredibly talented Genji player. I mean, he was known as like the best Genji player coming out he of Korean contenders, Genji. right? When he got picked up. Yeah. Uh, overall, because I'm just trying to compare one by one of those things, I, I don't think there's a clear roster difference other than like proper being like other than proper, and obviously it depends if Edison shows up and has a similar performance, but I think he will because I think he's looking really good and got confidence back. To me personally, Shock relies very, very heavily on proper to still pound for this team to have success at times. So Ah, and the verse here's the worst part about me saying what i'm about to say is that tasmo has been giving me so much fucking shit <laughs> inside of trading, trading inside of trading and <laughs> and so i'm i'm going fuel three two uh, in, a, in a grand four i'm going fuel I, and also i think these teams i think they're gonna want it real bad i think it's gonna be a giga giga banger four three then for fuel Four three Dallas fuel. Oh, I fucking hope it's not a four zero final. If these two teams meet and one of the boys out I'm gonna be so fucking sad. This I, I don't care who wins as long as it's close. This goes at least six. I see this going yeah. at least six, if not seven. Because really, when you break when you when you break down these two rosters and think about how they're performing, like I don't think you can clearly say across the board that there is any current based off this current time and point. There's any gap in the rosters other than Proper's individual level, right? But With I think. Two with people having some like better key pieces even. Yeah, in, I, I think it's back and forth. In a BO7, there's only one push. So it's a good chat. Tough. Fuel fuel being like dominant on a push, it's like, oh cool, there's only one of them in a seven mapper. So there's a lot more opportunities for Shock to get like better matchups. So like even if we say Dallas win, I I think it has to be four three win for for me personally. It's either four three Dallas or I think Shock will take it. I, I don't hate Dallas winning here because I think, again, I think both teams are due for a win. 
Um, I think such a coin flip. Such I a coin think flip this is me. going to come down to like the very granular details of like figuring out a very specific kind of like behavior or opponent's Genji or something like that or like how can you shut down proper. I don't like. I I do not like to put all my eggs in the proper basket i you're feel putting like it in edison basket then no like you no 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 no. i'm putting it in like the hanbin junker queen and like uh like just it's it's a sustained meta it's team play meta like good support ultimates uh great junker queen play um positioning like not allowing your opponent to get opportunities to like dash in and get final blows not taking unnecessary damage stuff like that i feel like i'm more ready to be calm and predict the dallas fuel to play that way Whereas I feel like the shock is a bit more volatile in that regard. Maybe like open themselves up to get picked more by sojourns. Maybe Kilo is a bit more volatile in his play. Maybe like take two aggressive angles, which can be rewarded. And then Kilo can pop off and be amazing in that regard. Maybe proper finds opportunities to dash in and get those frags. I feel like this is a meta that is about minimizing mm. mistakes. It's about being disciplined. And I feel like I have more faith in the Dallas Fuel to play that very disciplined way. More so than the shock showing up with proper and then just like rallying behind him. That's how I feel you know this map plays out. I'm I'm ready for the timeline of Dallas winning here and then proper getting MVP and rookie of the year having no titles. I'm 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 down for that timeline. Like proper crying on stage, like holy fuck I tried and we didn't get it done, and everyone's like, This guy's the fucking goat of this year. Yep. And not all time, not all time. But then and then we, you know. It's going to be another thing of like, hey guys, remember MVP is not just about titles. And then Propagus has no titles and wins it all. I'm like, yeah, but kind of still deserved. This, still deserved. this could also be, you know, if you look at it, the other side of the coin, Shock win 4-3 or something like that. And Proper is just like by far the stage MVP. And like, there's going to be like 10% of the Reddit audience that's just like, can we compare Proper to Faker in League of Legends? Is he our Faker? <laughs> Is he, uh, is he gonna sit on the throne? Whatever the throne thing they have in League of Starcraft is, uh, I can't remember. Uh, and that, that, com that conversation would be accurate if we're talking about like the start of Faker. Like, is it, is it the emergence? The emergence of Faker. Yeah. People are like, oh, Jersey sales. Uh, look, at the end of the day, let's not go any further with it. It feels like three yeah. of us are leaning Dallas Fuel here very slightly and uh, Custos on the San Francisco Shock Train. I'm on, um, sh I'm on Shock. But like, I'll, I'm, you're on Shock? Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, then we can point for it. No, we're not fucking coin clipping this. Sorry. Why uh, not? Okay. Sh sure. Jesus fucking Christ. Three hour I show here, I and these it, guys want to fucking I record think, the coin flip. I think flipping. it is a coin flip. I like. I genuinely think it's flip. who shows up. Like, I don't think they're. I think it's hard yeah, to make like, how can you, Yeah, I think it's really other. tough like, to definitively say like right. either of these teams are favored. Oh, oh no. all right, you fuckers. Like, give me whose heads, whose tails. Dallas's heads. Dallas's heads. Shock they our win tails. It. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay, actually, I take it back. It's not coin flipping. It's not coin flipping. <laughs> <laughs> Playing baby. I'll respect the coin. Vaz is already getting ready for the Tasmo DM. I'll respect the coin. Save predictions. It. Bank it in. Oh, I gotta do this shit. Oh, Shuck. Yeah, that's what I mean. Wait. I hereby attest oh. that I'm a legal resident of the 50 United States. Well, I'm gonna have to do this off stream. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> all right, there we go. Holy shit! Three-hour marathon fucking podcast, and that here we are.
That is and another coin flip. flip. Brands player of the week. Who the fuck is Brands player of the week? All right, I'll, I'll. There, there's a few different ones. There were some good interviews this past week. Uh, I don't know, fucking Hardy or something. Uh, the player of the week. I thought Sam's interview was the funniest. Sam's interviews yeah, with the yeah. orange juice martini. I thought Sam's interview was quite hilarious. I'm, I'm always down to give it to a player that's just like, yeah, I'm benched. What of it? I think that's so funny. Um, I'm also down to give it to Danny uh, if uh, we didn't want to give it to a player. I think Danny, what Danny sure, does for Danny. the league with his translating, his ability to like pull those things out of like, you know, the fact that we can have Moby Dick and Chatty have a conversation in the middle of a selection show uh, without bumping to like 19 different people is pretty impressive. Uh, but I'm going to really get married. <laughs> no, that's not allowed anymore. Okay. Um, I'll give it to both. Give it to the no let's give it to the selection show. I think it was a fun selection show, and let's give it to like oh, yeah. all the people that participated because I think everyone did a great job. Honestly, that selection show was really fun, and I think all the players did a great job. Mm. And all the yeah. two members of the desk giving it to their own show, huh? Mm. Well, no, me and Johnny are the least impactful people of that entire show. We're just standing there <laughs> reacting in the background. Selection show in the scientific community. Okay, mm. what did the scientific community do this time around? I don't know. Bryn just likes them a lot. <laughs> Which is nah, well, convincing. We Bryn, Bryn is currently off the goop in Turkey, so like we gotta. I think we'll just give it to the selection show. Fuck it. There you go. Okay, selection show gets Bryn's prayer of the week. And before we wrap yeah, it up, congratulations. We'll end on this very, this very fun note uh, that someone pointed out in chat uh, that a few weeks ago, Reiner tweeted out that it's a coin flip meta. <laughs> See? <laughs> he coin flipped. See? The Look finals. At that, huh? so, uh, <laughs> full circle. Chat. We're tweeting it out. We went full circle. Oh man! All right, that's gonna do it for Flat Chat Overwatch episode 142. Three hours and five minutes. I'm gonna cut down this vote a little bit so I can operate the audio. Don't worry about timestamps. They'll come at some point later today, Tuesday, hopefully. So, thank you, Costa everyone for being on. We'll see if our bracket comes into fruition. Any last words before I press this stop streaming button? Goodbye. Jimmy, fuck.